Hey, this is Benno from the British Wrestling Spotlight podcast right here on the Indie Corner. This past weekend, I sat down with Suit Williams of PWPonderings.com and discussed the year that was for Progress Wrestling in 2017. Here's that conversation in its entirety, simulcast for your listening pleasure, both on PWPonderings and right here on the IndieCorner.com. You can follow Suit at Suit Williams on Twitter and our good friends at PWPonderings at PWPonderings. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at BensonRichardE and follow The Indie Corner at The Indie Corner. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to uh, the PW Ponderings Progress 2017 Year in Review. Words, words, words. That was a lot of words. Uh, I'm Suit Williams. Uh, if you don't know, I reviewed every Progress show that... Well, no, actually I didn't. I reviewed most of the Progress in 2017 this year for the website. And I am joined here by... Uh, he is one-third of the hosts on the British Wrestling Experience, which you can find on uh, Post Wrestling. They just dropped their first episode. And you can also find his writings on the Indie Corner. He writes the British Wrestling Spotlight. Say hello to Benno. Hello. Uh, glad to be here. Um, I'm the English representative, and it, it wouldn't be right if the first thing I didn't do is get into this argument. Uh, is it progress? Is it progress? I think this is going to be a problem throughout this show. Oh boy! <laughs> I think I, I'll I, go. I think the Brits say uh, progress, uh, the Americans say progress, but because I live in the north of England and I watch a lot of American TV, I'm probably going to slip into progress as well. I think I is fine. Well, I mean, I am from like southern, uh, the south of America, mm. so I've like I just defer to them, defer to England on it. So I'll try and say progress, but. <laughs> No, it's fine. I mean, I, I, it's just my default. Whenever we record British Wrestling Spotlight for the Indie Corner or the New Experience podcast, if you listened, you'd probably catch me doing both throughout the show. So it's all good, I think. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, the other question is, when you're writing those reviews, do you capitalise progress or do you not? It's a hard one. Uh, well, it's a proper noun. It's the name of the company, so I I capitalize it. I, I mean the way they write it, where it's all capital letters. Oh, yeah, That's that. the all caps, like Walter. Yeah, and the Atlas title. If you've got a review you're writing about Walter, and it's got the Atlas title in it, and it's a progress show, you are gonna yeah you get quite annoyed going back through your document trying to fix all that stuff if you are uh, stick to the rules that progress have. But they don't even stick to their own rules. They, they flip and flop on it, too. Wait, is Atlas supposed to be all caps too? Yeah, I think so. Anytime they mention it, it is most of the I, time. But it's I like never. Oh. Yeah, it's like progress though, because progress. If they do a tweet with the name of the company, they capitalize it. But their actual Twitter handle isn't capitalized. So rules are all over the place. No one's keeping track of this stuff. Who's watching the rules? <laughs> we need a rule book. Hell yeah! All right. Well, let's get started. 2017. There were. How many chapter shows? 
60 minus 42. That's 18, right? Yeah, that sounds right. It sounds and like then it there from were, my notes. And then there were three super strong style shows, so that's 14. That puts us around 20. Goddamn. Math is not my strong suit, surprisingly. <laughs> and then... Let's count as we go. All right, so we had those 20 shows, and then we had the WrestleMania weekend show. Mm. They also did the joint show with Evolve on WrestleMania weekend. Uh, I don't know if we're counting that or not. Mm. Then there was progress in New York, Boston, and Germany. Mm. And then there were several uh, smaller trainee shows. So this was a very busy year for progress. Oh, definitely. I remember when, when I first started getting into progress, I made I bought the on-demand and made the mistake of instead of watching a chapter show, I watched an Endeavor show like an idiot. And I was uh, sitting there thinking, ah, oh, this progress, it's not quite uh, what I expected it to be. And it took me like about five minutes into the match. I was like, hmm, I'm sure this is a trainee show. And then I realized, yeah, I wasn't watching a, a proper chapter. Uh, but it can be confusing for somebody getting in. I suppose those shows don't happen anymore. Um, yeah. We moved away from all that stuff. But yeah, it can be uh, a big question, can't it, for a new person getting into progress. Where do you actually even jump in? Uh, yeah, uh, I started, well, where did you start with progress? Like, what, like, chapter? I think uh, a lot of people will say the same story when that YouTube, when they put the show up on YouTube, the uh, the Finn Balor show. Uh, uh yeah. Chapter yeah. 13, when the, the hard cam broke in. Um, yeah, that from there, pretty much watched that show. Uh, started watching all of the on-demand. Um, I didn't get to a live show until the Chat Chick Get Bang show with uh, Will Ospreay and Marty nice. Girl. Uh, in Camden, that was my first trip down there. But yeah, once I once I've been there live once, it was like, yep, yeah, this is the the place to be. Uh, no more buying tickets for scuzzy indies in my home area. This is uh, <laughs> I want to get out and see progress if I'm going to spend my money. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a that was a great match too. Uh, me being in America, I haven't been to Progress yet, but I will be WrestleMania weekend because they're literally like an hour from here. Oh, so. Okay. Yeah, that's going to be real fun. Looking forward to that. Uh, I jumped in around Chapter 20, around when Osprey won the title. And, God, that just seems like a millennium ago <laughs> with where progress is now. Well, that's why I think I struggle with the, the chapter numbers now, because we've just flew through so many in these last two years. It's it's crazy. Um, yeah. The, the speed yeah. in which they're expanding and all these, these shows up north... Uh, near where i'm from and the midlands as well um it's kind of crazy lord knows how many shows will be in 2019 definitely and then then there was like a like three different stretches where there were like three shows in a month or like <laughs> three shows in six weeks it was just it was a lot mm. all right well let's get started with uh 2017 they got started chapter 42 it was life the universe and wrestling and this was the show that happened the same day as one of the days of the UK title tournament. So there was no British Strong Style, no Mark Andrews. Uh, but hey, Finn Balor showed up. <laughs> Finn Balor, the, he was like the, the friendly face of the uh, WWE Make Good department, wasn't he? Um, Definitely, yeah. It was kind of weird, this, wasn't it? Because I was... This was when all the WWE UK stuff was was quite new, and we didn't really know what to expect. And I remember them announcing this day and thinking, "This is Progress's debut in a new area in Birmingham." And WWE are taking the, the three 
wrestlers who are most known from that Midlands area in, uh, in Pete Dunne, Trent Seven and Tyler Bates. Uh, yeah. So I, being the loyal Progress fan, I've, maybe my loyalty has waned a little bit over the year, but at that point I was like, nope, I'm not. I'll go to day one of WWE UK, but day two, I'm going to be in Birmingham for Progress. I'm going to be a loyal fan. Nice. Uh, and I got to see Finn Balor play a game of musical chairs, so it's not all bad. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, but not only did they take like their three like guys from that area... Their tag champs and their singles champ yeah. aren't at the show, but they made good with it. Uh, we had Tommy N show up as well. He wrestled Jimmy Havoc. Yeah, I kind of I found that one a bit a touching. It was a short match, wasn't it? Um, I yeah. Found it a bit. I mean, I'd be in there live in the building when even when when Tommy N's music hit. I think a lot of people thought it might have been Michael Dante, so nobody really popped huge until he came out. But like you say, it was a a weak card going in, um, so it did make a, a big difference to get to see and make his last uh, indie date there. Yeah, uh, we also had, I believe this was the debut of Rinkov. Like, we had seen Walter before, like, he had been around, but I believe this was the debut of Rinkov, him and uh, Axel Dieter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think and so. But that uh, against the London Riots, that was the opener, wasn't it? Yeah. And then... Uh, not to harp on this, but there was um, a women's match oh, in the goodness. Natural Progression series. <laughs> Alex Windsor and Libby Grace. The worst progress match of the year, I would say, by yeah. quite a mile. That was my note next to it. And look, I haven't seen... like This was my only match I've ever seen Libby Grace in. And I've seen enough of Alex Windsor to say she's capable. Yeah. I but think- this was... This was a bad day at the office. I think Windsor, she fell into that trope, didn't she, of being the the progress heel thing where they walk around the the ring with the middle finger raised like it's the only way to get oh, it. Oh, yeah. She was doing a lot of that, and like you say, Grace just... I think the thing that summed the match up for me was the finish was a sharpshooter, wasn't it? And Grace was tapping to it as Alex Windsor was falling over, trying to put, put the oh, thing on. And it was just like... Girls, just go home. It was awful. Um, I don't think there was a worse match all year, but maybe we'll find yeah. one as we go through all the chapters. Yep, uh, but wasn't all bad. In the main event, we had Rampage Brown's open challenge, and it was answered by Matt Riddle, who would win the Atlas title. Start of an era. Definitely. So, yeah, at the time as well, uh, I think we'd heard rumours that Matt Riddle was in the country, um, but it still, it was a, a cool surprise, and... Again, we kind of, going into this show, I, I was starting to regret making that decision of not going to WWE <laughs> UK because the card looks so, so weak. But when you look at it back on, on Cage Match now and look at the results, it's it, it is a, it's, it's a strong card that they put together in the end. And yeah, it started the uh, the big Matt Riddle uh, Atlas title reign, so it gave us um, something really special for the rest of 2017. Yeah, so... Moving on to later in the month, we had the Tropic Thunder Bastard Show, Chapter 43. Uh, not too much happened at this show. I mean, there was Mark Andrews winning the Thunder Bastard. Mm. Uh, we had Jimmy Havoc and Pete Dunn in the main event, and it ended in a DQ, which sucked, but we did get Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Hastings coming back after the main event. Yeah, that, this is one where I was there live, and this uh, the, the main event ended in a DQ. It was Trent Seven just didn't he just climb in the ring and and hit the referee, and that was it. 
that was the end of the yeah. match and it was kind of like I remember, you kind of look back on that that's the that's where I'd pinpoint where some of the WWE tropes that they use for British Strong Style throughout the year started uh, which was a bit of a negative for me through the year, but it was certainly made up for, yeah, when Haskins and Flash Morgan Webster came out. Uh, for those of us live in the building, it, we very quickly forgot uh, about that DQ, um, and it was all about the yeah. fact that those two guys had returned. Yeah, that was just... That's one of those moments that I remember just everybody, like, jumping out of their chairs and being so oh, happy for seeing yeah. Haskins back. It was absolutely crazy, yeah, and I don't know, I mean, the two of them didn't... I don't think either of them set the world on fire with their, their year in 2017. I suppose we'll get to it as we go through, but it was yeah. still a cool moment. Uh, the other thing I'd mention from that show as well, the South Pacific oh, Power yeah. Trip, uh, TK Cooper and Travis Banks against Rinkamp. I would, one of my match of the years, it was the match where poor TK was just getting chopped to bits by, by Volta. Um, and just absolutely just dying in that ring and, but still coming back for more and giving, in fairness, Dieter and Walter as, as good as he got. For me, it was very much a, I know Travis Banks was the big star of, uh, of 2018, but at the time it, it felt like a, a star making match for TK Cooper. It did. And my note for this match is simply in all caps, that tag match though, and though has seven O's. <laughs> So yeah, this that match fantastic. It got lost in the shuffle early in the year, but that's one to definitely go back and watch. Absolutely. So we have now go to chapter forty four. Old man yells a cloud. Uh, there was some very good stuff on this show. I uh, the title. first thing I thought of was uh oh yeah, great title. <laughs> Love the title. Uh, that that was a great poster too. It was like the Simpsons hand holding the tennis racket. Oh yeah, the nice little the unsubtle Jim Cornette shout out there. What did Jim? What did Cornette say about? It was about Jim Smallman, wasn't it? Saying that he looked he looked like a bum. Was that what it was? It was something about like him looking like a bum and like I think like the specific thing they got mad at was like something about like hanging in a car park or something oh yeah like yeah. that's what like really got him upset yeah that was quite personal wasn't it with jim yeah but let's that's enough about jim Cornette, though so um there was a really great match between travis banks and jordan devlin that like it felt like progress were like testing whether the crowd was wanted to go like all in on the power trip mm. and they did here because they went against Devlin and they got all the way behind Banks and this match was really good as a result of it. Yeah, I think it's a big part of Travis Banks' story. Uh, and Also, I mean, just looking at this, this is the correct me if I'm wrong, the lone appearance of Jordan Devlin in progress all year. Um, yes, this I, was the one and only appearance. I can't believe, I mean, he got a lot of grief for his big head in the match, but uh, yes. Again, I, I don't really understand. They went back and they pretty much booked everybody from WWE UK, but Jordan Devlin's never been back. He's someone who I'd love to see in progress. I think he could do really good things like he's been doing in OTT. Yeah, I was just about to bring that up. I'm glad to hear he's killing it. Like, mm. they've gotten over his bobblehead. <laughs> and uh, it, that import killer stuff, it sounds really awesome. I haven't seen too much of OTT uh, this year, but... I've heard about Devlin just going out there and killing it, so that's good to hear, and I do hope he's back in progress soon. Absolutely. 
Yep. There was also the end of the, uh, well, we'll say much maligned storyline with Pastor William Ever and Sebastian. Yep. Where do you stand on that one? Um, the storyline, eh, I was a little bit higher on it than most, but I didn't really like it. But this match I thought was awesome. Yeah. I remember writing at the time saying that no matter how you feel about the story and I personally, I enjoyed most of it. All the stuff with the Sebastian knows a secret about William Eva that kind of quietly went away. Um, none of that really made any sense, but I thought there's something about Sebastian. He, he brings out a, a real heat, I think, like a visceral hatred from the progress fans, fans who will leave their seat if he, if they see him having a match or they'll, they'll go to the bar. That was the famous one during his matches and or turn their yeah. backs. And I do think he got a genuine heat out of the progress fans, but even if you didn't enjoy that stuff, yeah, this match, that powerbomb into the crowd, uh, oh from my Eva God. Sebastian. I've watched the gift back of that. I think I was reading one of your reviews and it was just like, yeah. my God, like I can't believe knowing what Sebastian's like as well. And uh, you know, he comes across on Twitter as the cleverest man in the room. I can't believe he took that bump. Yeah. I can't believe he did half the things he did in that match. Yeah, this was my uh, one sojourn into gifting on shows, and this was one where I just... It was insane. Like, mm. that and, like, that, like, dollar store kendo stick that, like, <laughs> cut up Eva's back. Like, yeah, this match was insane. Like, it's on the fringe of my, like, top ten matches of the year. Yeah. Like, I really like this. I think and it's, it's a shame that, like, Ever didn't really do much the rest of the year. Yeah, it was kind of the peak for him, wasn't it? And Sebastian yeah. as well, getting carried out by security at the end. It was, again, yeah. maybe if we didn't love the story, it, this was certainly a great ending to it. But, yeah, I think Ever, his big problem is getting the belt put on him the year before, yeah. isn't it? And once you've done yeah, that, that, once you've been champion, is... what do you do next? And that's kind of the problem we found, isn't it? Yeah. And then we had the main event. It was a high-stakes six-man tag match straight out of uh, Dragon Gate, that title sounds like. <laughs> uh, we had Havoc, Haskins, and Flash versus British Strong Style. Uh, it's either title shot or no title shot for six months, and Havoc got the win there. Mm. Yeah, this, this was kind of the, the maybe maybe not the peak of the, the big British Strong Style six man matches but this was kind of where it it started we got a lot of these through the year didn't we and i think early yeah. on i remember loving this match at the time with all the different triple spots they do and the triple downs and it just got a little bit repetitive as the year went on um but certainly this was a this is a good example of it if you're going to go back and you want to see a good british strong style six man match especially like you say with the the high stakes and the, the stipulation there as well uh, while Haskins and Webster were coming back still hot and Havoc um, was looking for, you know, he, he was at the start of his babyface run um, and yeah. still struggling to find his feet. But no, the crowd were definitely hot for this one. I remember again live, it was a, a really great match. Yep, and then that leads into what I have to say is the progress show of the year. Uh, chapter 45, Galvanize. This show, top to bottom, I thought was... Just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, this show absolutely fucking ruled. Uh, it was just, I think, um, going in, it didn't look the strongest card, I didn't think. Um, but yeah, pretty much every match on this, on this 
show delivered and they they all kind of gave something different as well um you get comedy from zach gibson and el Ligero coming out with his yeah like an hour it was around uh saint Pat- patrick's day wasn't it and Ligero yeah, coming out with yeah. His irish hat on so you got a bit of comedy but you got two incredible tag matches on that show as well with the british strong style south pacific power trip match and uh the ring camp and hunter brothers match as well uh, again this was this was in manchester which isn't far from my home and just probably my top live experience of the year going to watch progress definitely this like the whole show the british strong style and the power trip ring camp and the hunters mark andrews and will Ospreay. A match that came out of nowhere for me was Flash Morgan Webster and Nathan Cruz. Like, I saw this match, and I was just like, uh, okay, because I hadn't been hot on Flash before he got hurt, and I've never been that high on Nathan Cruz, but, like, these two got in here, and they killed it. Yeah, I think this was a match where I think it was a big part of what made good was the, the sellers from, from Morgan Webster. I think Morgan Webster's underrated in that regard. It was kind of um, just, it's just something he really does well. And coming back from the injury and having Cruz attack his uh, shoulder that he that was where he'd had the injury and just work it over the match was the ideal match for Nathan Cruz because he's that kind of wrestler and the ideal role yeah. for, for Morgan Webster because, like I say, he's just, he's very, very good at selling, really underrated in that role. Definitely, and this started like a run for me of Flash Morgan Webster, like impressing me to the point where I wanted to like go back and watch some of his old stuff to see if he's always been this good. Hmm. Because this just started a run of like four or five chapters where he just had awesome matches. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And I think this yep. for him maybe this is where his year peaked in progress. I don't know. He seems to have lost his way a little bit in the company. Yeah, um, I remember yeah. this being a match specifically where I was watching it, thinking, okay, he's back to his best now. Let's see what else he does. And the answer really wasn't much, was it, through the year? Yeah, yeah. And uh, then uh, then we had Nixon Newell and Ginny. This was Nixon Newell's swan song from Progress. Yeah, I think she seemed to... It was like this... this uh, the spring of uh, Nixon Newell goodbyes, because we were all secretly knew she was going to WWE and she kept having yeah. these matches where she's she's definitely going now she's definitely going now but she went out the right way didn't she letting uh putting Ginny over um I think this was one of those several matches where uh her opponent hit a Welsh destroyer finish uh to beat oh her, yeah which was a nice way of doing it as well go out to via your own move and yeah I think this was right right and then then we had that main event Jimmy Havoc and Pete Dunne death match this was an absolute spectacle. Yeah. Like, I just love this match so much. Yeah, I think this one, it was just live. It was one of the best matches of the year. Sometimes I think these types of matches, deathmatch style matches, I think they even they yeah. advertised it, didn't they, as a deathmatch, and then they, they pulled back on that and went with no disqualification match. But for all intents and purposes, it was a deathmatch, and they don't always translate on tape. But, yeah, watching this one back, it was still really strong. And, yeah, there's just the – this is this is Havoc at his best, I think, when he's, you know, yeah. doing paper cuts between uh, Dunn's fingers and getting um, – Polaroid stapled to his forehead. There was just so much great stuff in this match. I think even when uh, Havoc is, although he was a babyface, he was being quite mean, wasn't he? Cutting when he uh, gave the paper cuts to Pete Dunne, he was even um, pouring alcohol Ooh. over them. That was a. I remember that being a really, really great spot live. It was just, 
it was surprising actually as well seeing a, a WWE contracted wrestler and done as well being up for all the, the table bumps and the, the craziness with the, chi- the chairs it was just like you say spectacle uh, is the word yeah. for this one the spot the uh, thing the paper cut spot I remember there was also they had like a punching exchange where they had barbed wire on their fists like Mm. This whole match was insane, and then at the end we had Osprey come in and cost Havoc the match, which would lead to their match at Chapter 46, mm-hmm. which was Loser Leaves Progress, LOL, uh, and Jimmy Havoc beat Will Osprey there in another death match. Yeah, uh, the the shortest live few well not i mean obviously the, the long uh, history of osprey and, and havoc is there but just the strong yeah. the shortest lived heel turn of osprey and this this part of the feud just he rushed through it didn't he um obviously they knew they were losing osprey but i think yeah. i mean this was an insane match um i even enjoyed osprey's bizarre entrance when he came out and he was playing james bond wasn't he uh, shooting uh, stooges in the back of the head on, on his entrance on the stage um it was really yeah. interesting to see him as a as a heel there and i i don't know about you but i thought there was there was mileage in, in a will osprey run as a heel in progress i thought so i think we we missed him throughout 2017 yeah i did too i just like i'm i feel like we did kind of miss like osprey's presence like he could have been around and done something but I think it was kind of like the same thing with Eve, or where it's like, once you win the title, what's like left? Hmm. Yeah, I think part of it as well. I think that the shows missed the the spectacle Osprey matches, but you are right. As I suppose he he done as much as he could could as a face, but I do I do think though as well. Yeah, as a heel, we we had some untapped potential there. It's a shame that you know, spoiler, he's back now. Uh, but he's just yeah. a face, and no one's making any attempt hardly to explain why he's back after losing this uh, loser leaves progress match. But uh, I'm just glad he's back, so I'm not asking too many questions. Yep, it was loser leaves town for like six months, <laughs> or until New Japan lets up on the schedule. Do you think? I, I don't know. And I always thought it was kind of weird because I, I mean, we'll get into Marty as well, but Osprey kind of left, and now he's back. But he's only back because, I mean, he's still working in New Japan. It's his Ring of Honor contract that's up. And the conspiracy theorist in me wonders what's what's in that Ring of Honor contract that means he can't work progress shows. Is it something to do with progress's relationship with WWE? Um, it just all seems a bit weird because similar thing happened with Marty. When Marty was in the middle of uh, Ring of Honor contracts, he, he, he came in for the big uh, show in October, Chase the Sun. And then yeah. once he was back under Ring of Honor contract again, he's gone forever. So I don't know if there's something to that conspiracy, but I just think it's a it's a touch weird. Well, I mean, Ring of Honor does work with Rev Pro, like that. There's that, like mm. it's like ROH Rev Pro New Japan kind of like circle. Yeah. So maybe it's just a Rev Pro thing, but I did want to go back and look at because Havoc versus Osprey wasn't Loser Leaves Town to begin with. It was fans it. bring the weapons. Mm. So I just wanted to go through and read a list of the <laughs> weapons. That the fans brought. So there was a potted plant. There was a mannequin leg. There was a bunch of donuts. There was a grandfather clock. There was beer with uh, Jimmy Havoc branding on it. (laughs) And then there was a mannequin head. And then in the match, Jimmy Havoc would use the Progress Championship Nazi staff. 
we all thought that thing had been burnt and gone forever. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny you read out that, that big list and there was even an Essex, Essex Destroyer through a table in that match as well. They really, if, if they both thought that maybe it was the end of their long story in progress, they, they certainly took the bumps and they certainly uh, gave it their all, didn't they? But yeah, props to the progress yeah, fans for that creative uh, list of weapons that they brought. I don't remember if it was, this was this match or a different match where someone brought like a PlayStation 2. <laughs> oh, I'm not too sure. Yeah. Uh, what else was on this uh, Shoot Dinosaur show? We had the end of the origin. It was Origin Civil War. It was uh, Cruz and Gibson versus the Banner edition. Yeah. This was weird, wasn't it? It was kind of a an undersold. It was like an, it was an undercard feud anyway. Yeah. Um, but it was just weird the way it kind of came and, uh, and went. And I, I think a lot, again, a lot of it was to do with uh, some of those guys being under ITV contract. And I know Nathan Cruz is, is gone from progress now. And he did a, a yeah. lengthy Twitter post, didn't he, about the, some of the reasons uh, why he was gone. Um, but yeah, it was a bit of a shame. Cause oh, I, I did not see this. Yeah, it's about, um, I think, I think the thing with, with Cruz is it's just a, a, I think it was a case of they weren't using him very well either. Um, at least if you were Nathan Cruz, you, you kind of, uh, I think he's yeah. somebody who was, you know, missing from some of their big shows. Um, they did, he wasn't the type of person they were taking abroad, that type of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. There's, there's issues there, I suppose. But yeah, I always got a, a good laugh out of the, the Master Van Allegaro team. Um, it, it was something that seemed to start on, on the Northern Progress shows. But again, that's something that, that their, their comedy is, uh, has been missing a little bit in the, uh, the second half of 2018. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, but there were pros, but we'll get there. Um, we uh, on the Hute Dinosaur show, we also had uh, Travis Banks versus Jack Sexsmith, and this is where the power trip officially turned face. I'd say mm. they helped Sexsmith up after the match and shook his hand, and uh, they went about their business. So progress going all in with the power trip. Yeah, I think it was important for the power trip and also important for Sexsmith. It was kind of a, a show of respect, wasn't it? Um, they were trying to, with varying degrees of success, get that uh, Sexsmith over as a, as a more serious act. And they're still continuing on that, that route now. Um, but yeah, having uh, Banks and TK shake his hand was, was certainly a big moment in that story. And like you say, a, a good way to subtly say that the Banks and Cooper were people who were getting cheered anyway, but were very much yeah. on the, the babyface side now. Yep. Uh, we also had on the show for the Atlas title, um, it was Matt Riddle's first defense in progress. He had defended it like three or four times in America, but it was his first defense in progress, and it was against Walter. And it was the beginning of that feud that, went on for most of the year in progress and that would pretty much define progress in 2017 yeah and certainly uh define that atlas title as well um yeah there's no there's, i don't think there's uh, two harder hitting uh, people um in wrestling at the moment so it's always a joy to get to see those two guys beat the shit out of each other and yeah another reason why i mean i I enjoyed the Rampage Brown Atlas title run, but it did feel a little bit uneventful. And I think by by giving Riddle matches like this, Volta right out the gate, it really it established what that belt was supposed to be: two big lads uh, kicking the shit out of each other. Right, right, and yeah, that Rampage run it was fun, but it was like it was all like open challenges, so yeah. 
there was kind of like a ceiling on it because you never knew who was coming out. And with Riddle, it's like you could build this stuff now because you can announce these matches and just, you know, build the stuff. Mm. Yep. And then we had the main event for the last show before WrestleMania weekend. It was Pete Dunn versus Mark Andrews. And boy, oh boy, was this an overbooked mess. <laughs> Again, I think this is as we go down this line of uh, <laughs> Pete Dunne's title reign. I, I just I, I soured on it towards the end, and stuff like this was kind of the reason why. Part of it as well is I don't think anyone buys. Unfortunately for Mark Andrews, as much as we all love him, no one really buys him. Do they? In these types of situations, I personally right. would never buy him winning the world title in a situation like this. So you kind of understand why progress get a little bit over-creative. But at the same time, these are two wrestlers, aren't they, that have got so much chemistry. They've worked so many great matches together over the years and so many promotions, including WWE. Um, Part of me would have just let them go out there and kill it. Um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a little bit disappointing there. Yeah, and we'll get to Andrews and, like... He's more of a chaser than he yeah. is a champion. He's a good first. And, if you've got a new champion, you, you, he's a good first defense, isn't he? I always think of him as like a, right. it's like an in-your-house defense. He's not going to win, but he's going to give you a good match. Right, yeah. He's like, he's everybody's first defense, so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was Chapter 46, and then we get to Progress Orlando on WrestleMania weekend. Yeah, I think... I, these progress shows are from everyone that, that went to them. It sounded like the 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 best atmosphere of, of the weekend shows over there. Um, yeah. Not particularly notable from uh, from a match listing point of view. Uh, I suppose notable mainly because they I suppose they took Jimmy Havoc out there and he managed to find himself working WWE access. Uh, did you see that tweet from Regal the other week saying it was oh, his yeah. highlight of the year seeing Jimmy Havoc as an upstart babyface shouting, doing all the shallies and uh, trying to get like a, a crowd going at 11 in the morning at Access. Great stuff. Good lord, I could only imagine like I can't even imagine Jimmy Havoc just <laughs> this clean cut good guy, shaking hands kissing babies, thumbs up all that good stuff. <laughs> Amazing. Um but yeah, Progress Orlando, um, I don't think I ever watched this show. Like, I bought it on VOD, but then I had issues with my Wi-Fi, mm. so I never, like, saw it. But I think I still have it on VOD, so... Yeah, it was, I mean, there's nothing to go out your way to see. Um, again, the atmosphere was great, and I think uh, Spud had a, Spud was in the middle of his uh, wearing... Cody Rhodes inspired uh, progress gear head to toe gimmick, uh, so that was interesting to see. Uh, but yeah, from a match list point of view, Riddle and Seven was all right. Dunn and Haskins was all right, but it was more about the spectacle of uh, of progress being over there for a Mania weekend. I think these shows and obviously doing the uh, WWN Live Super Show following this as well. Um, it was a good week. I mean, the, the one thing I would say just following along on, on Twitter at WrestleMania weekend. It felt like the South Pacific Power Trip really got themselves over again this weekend. Um yeah. having great matches with Sammy Callahan and Shane Strickland and then uh catch point in the on the Evolve show as well. So it was good for them and a, a big weekend for progress, but nothing hugely notable. Uh yeah, but uh you said it there and you gave it as much gravitas as progress did. Uh, Mark Haskins got his rematch. <laughs> done and dusted. There it's we over. go. <laughs> that's it. After that big comeback. That's you sorted. That's done. 
All right, and that led to Chapter 47, Complicated Simplicity, back in the ballroom. Uh, we had uh, Flash Morgan Webster and a guy who came into progress this year, Mike Bird. Uh, this was another really good match, and uh, I dig Mike Bird. Uh, mm. um, I don't know. Well, Mike Bird, it's difficult because... We're in the midst of some very serious allegations yeah. going through British wrestling, and he, he's a name who's came up, not for anything, you know, as far as I'm aware, of substantial, but it does sell you on, on him a little bit. But yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he's good friends with Morgan Webster, isn't he? So it's it's no surprise that they, they go off there and uh, and have a lot of chemistry. Yeah, that was a really good match. Uh, we also had Mark Andrews and Mark Haskins in a number one contender match uh, that ended in a draw. Because, because we needed to get a triple threat somehow, <laughs> and boy, this was just another match that was just so dumb. Yeah, it ended just. This is just. Go ahead. It, it like you're right. It just sums up progress for kind of it at this this middling period in the middle of the year was probably where I was I was lowest on progress and stuff like this yeah it was just like you say there was no reason for it other than the fact that they wanted to get to a three-way and again two men who you mentioned Haskins having his throwaway title match in America I don't know what made this a number one contendership match Andrews had lost and Haskins had lost as well that was another part of it that didn't make any sense to me and now we were continuing on with them going into a three-way and a, a match that nobody really believed they ever had a, a chance in. So, yeah, some uh, some low booking from Progress, I think, is one of the, the lower points of the year as far as that stuff goes. And uh, we also had on this show just a super emotional moment. It was the South Pacific power trip and the London riots, and we had TK and Dahlia saying goodbye uh, for the moment. Just the whole, like... The match and then the post-match was all just super emotional. Mm. And it, like, the match was great too, but, like, that post-match where British Strong Style came out and just beat them up on their way out was just, it was all just really good. See, until you'd said it then, I'd forgotten about the the British Strong Style stuff. I suppose TK uh, Cooper yeah. never, never got his, his revenge, uh, in that point of view. But yeah, it was a very, it was an emotional night, wasn't it? The, the yeah. They had the, um, there's obviously the, the big main event that we're going to talk about in a minute, but you also have Paul Robinson as well. Uh, yeah. this was, he yeah. was on his way out too, wasn't he? For, at least from progress. Um, just a night of, uh, emotional goodbyes. Definitely. Yeah. We had, uh, he lost to Jack Sacksmith in a super strong style 16 qualifier that, he had also put his career on the line for no reason. <laughs> like, he was retiring after the match, but before the match, he just said, if you beat me, I'll retire. And it's like, okay. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, it's just, uh, I suppose, a quick way of getting to that point. But, yeah. I mean, while we're talking about uh, Sexsmith, what what do you make of the, the serious Jack Sexsmith stuff that they were trying throughout this year? Do you, do you buy it? Do you think there's a, a better wrestler there than the, the gimmick portrays? Or um, do you think he's at his level? I like Jack Sexsmith. I, like, I don't know if he's as good as as the level they're putting him on. Like... He's not as good I think as he's... people want him to be, is kind of the way I always put it. People, He's got such a great real-life story, he's so likable, right. it's just a shame yeah, he's not yeah. that bit better. 
You know what I compare? You know what I think of when I think of Jack Saxon? I think of Mikey Whip Whiprack from ECW. Yeah, yeah. Where he's just like everybody loves him, but he's not great, and he gets beat up in his matches all the time. Yeah. But like every now and again, he'll find a way to like get through and get to the top, and now he's got his title shot now. So maybe we'll get that Mikey win. Mikey wins the title moment. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, th- I think yeah. it's difficult because you're right, he does fit that, that that role and I think they used him throughout the year in that role, um, getting laid out by Gibson, getting laid out by Eddie Dennis when they wanted to turn him heel, getting laid out by the Haskins and Havoc team later in the year. He's just, he's the go-to, isn't he, for those kind of yeah. moments and yeah, I'm not so sure. I think he's probably as good as he's I don't want to say he's as good as he's going to be. I'm sure he can always improve. He's training at the Fight Club Pro School as well. Um, but yeah, I think it's a mistake, Ray, I think, to try and make him more serious and strip away the stuff that people like about him. Um, it's not the direction I'd go anyway. Yep. And then we had our main event. It was the it was another high-stakes six-man tag match. British Strong Style versus Ring Camp and Ring Comp, excuse me. And um, all the titles were on the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoyed this one. I think it was, I think the again emotional because Dita was obviously on his way to WWE. Um, yeah. But two of the, I'm glad we got it. I'm, I don't, I'm glad the progress managed to get to the match because they could have easily missed on doing this one because this yeah. is at that time two of the the best units in, in European wrestling. Um, and it was just great seeing them in there. I think I remember my favorite spot was when um, the British Strong Style did the Triple H pose on the apron. And the ring camp guys just running all three at the same time, stereo boots. Because we were, at that point we were all so sick of seeing that Triple H inspired stuff. It was just yeah. great to see ring camp do that and then turn around and do their pose and great moments like Tyler doing the the deadlift gym into Volta. That's a that's a gif I certainly won't forget. Um, it was yeah, just like it was a big match. For, I would say it's a big match for Bape because there was a lot of cheers for him in this match. At this point in the year, I, I kind of thought. Progress might be teasing a face turn with him. I know they did some infighting with him and Pete Dunne in this match and others. Um, I wondered if that was a, an avenue they were going to go around, but I suppose that, that didn't really materialise, but still a, a fantastic match. Right, and it was around, like, it was, it would be a little while later, but uh, it was around the time he would lose the UK title to Dunne, mm. and a lot of people were wondering, would they turn, would they turn that into a progress deal? But, as it turns out, that was just, it was a story that would kind of just peter out. Yeah, they, they even had um, Glenn Joseph, didn't they, in, in backstage segments playing yeah. just Joe and trying to uh, talk sense into young <laughs> Tyler. I think it would have made a lot more sense if they'd gone that route because it was so weird throughout the year to have British Strong Style as a unit in progress, but in WWE, obviously... Bait and Dunn were enemies. Um, they tried to explain it on the commentary, but it it never really made much sense. Um, it's it's one thing to have two different universes, but when they cross over like that, um, some of the inconsistency definitely bothered me a little bit. Yeah, and one more thing while we're here, uh, Ring Conf, uh What are your thoughts on Tim Thatcher? I think this. This was a match where it was actually a bit of a turning point for me as well. I'm not really a huge fan of his style. Um, but I actually think Dieter leaving and going to the WWE and Thatcher becoming a team with Walter in progress and elsewhere has really, really helped him. Um, I prefer him in that role, to be honest. 
Um, I don't hate him. Um, it's just the style's just not really for me all of the time. But uh, yeah, th- there have been matches where where I've enjoyed it. Um, and again, I would say the the best best stuff I've seen from him has been in a, in a tag team environment. I would probably say. But yeah, he got a, he got a big ovation at the end of the match as well, which was nice to see, at least for him personally. And yeah, he's he's over here a lot as well. I know he's got a, a match coming up at OTT with Jordan Devlin. Um, I think he's going to be spending a lot of time in, in Europe in 2018, so maybe he could turn some more people. Definitely, and you basically covered what I was going to say. Like, If you've read my progress reviews for any point in time, you will have read the line, this Tim Thatcher match was fine, it's not my style, <laughs> you may like it more than I did. So That's fair. Yeah, so that's basically that. Uh, we'll have more of him through the year. Uh, but that would bring us to Chapter 48, Bang the Drum. This was an eventful show because CCK showed up. Yeah. This was a, this was a show where, I was in getting ready for this, for doing this podcast, we're up to May, and I was looking at this card and thinking, I don't remember too much about this card. And then I realized, oh yeah, after the, the Pete Dunn, Mark Andrews, Mark Haskins triple threat match, we had that ridiculous pop for CCK. Uh, in the crowd, people were throwing beer in the, in the air and hugging the friends. And it was just, it was strange though as well, because CCK obviously were making the debut in progress here. They came out to, Music that nobody recognized because we were well into the uh, the creator theme era in progress as well. Oh um, boy! Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll definitely talk about the, that. Um, <laughs> the, the some, hot tag media the, specials. Oh, yeah, this is this is probably the absolute worst of those themes. But on that night, it didn't matter because yeah, there was a ridiculous pop. Um, and I think Progress kind of quickly realized that this was a team that maybe their audience didn't need a, a huge amount of introduction to. So they just, right. all of a sudden, we were expected to know CCK way. Um, and we were expected to know that they were, they were friends with Travis Banks. Uh, I remember being there live in the building as well. I think they caught the, the owners by surprise a little bit because they were getting beaten down by British Strong Style and the fans were chanting for Travis Banks and poor Travis was stood behind us at the merch table looking cheapest Aww. thinking, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> and it was Riddle, wasn't it, who came out and made the save because he'd been uh, yeah. screwed over by them earlier in the night. Uh, it was still a great moment, but I think they missed a, a, a trick there by not uh, doing something with Travis right away. Yeah, and the thing I had heard about this was, like, CCK only, they were only at the show because they had another booking canceled. Ah. And then, what with what happens at the final Super Strong Style, it makes me think that that was supposed to be their debut, coming out and then running off British Strong Style in the final. Mm. So That would make sense, yeah, yeah. Maybe they just jumped the gun a little bit. Yeah, but... uh you brought it up, the main event, the triple threat. That match, despite my problems with the singles matches, this triple threat was really good. Mm. Yeah, I enjoyed it as a match. Um, I probably wouldn't have said it was my match of the night. I think I enjoyed the Riddle-Tyler uh, Bate match a bit more, although that one ended the DQ with some lazy booking as well. Uh, but yeah, Don Andrews and Haskins was good. I think it maybe again was just hurt for me by the fact that I didn't believe either of these guys were, were actually going to beat Pete Dunne. Um, I remember as yes. well, they did a lot of stuff at the start of the match, didn't they, with Andrews and Haskins going after each other, trying to pin each other in quick succession. Um, but again, I, I just didn't really buy any of it. It just didn't didn't seem likely that this was where Pete Dunne would be losing his belt. 
Yeah, especially going in a super strong style. Yeah, you've got that yeah. on the horizon too. So, yeah, but you, I suppose that's just the schedule and thing. And I think whoever they put in there with Dunn, uh, I'd probably be uh, doubting that they would actually beat him. Uh, anything else yeah. stand for you from that card? Stand out? Um, no, because I actually didn't watch the show uh, other than the main event. You didn't miss much. Trent Seven and Banks was good, and Riddle and Bate was good, if not a bit lazy for the uh, the Trent Seven interference uh, again. Uh, but yeah, not a huge amount of stuff there. That I'd... any show that's got Sweet Jesus, Chuck Mambo, and William Eva as a team in a prominent match, you kind of know it's not the uh, the strongest progress card of the year. Yeah, and that will lead us in well. With that ringing lead into uh, Super Strong Style 16, Chapter 49. And with uh, with this, I kind of wanted to go over like some standout matches for me. Yeah. And then like if you had anything to like say about it, like you could jump in. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, so for night one, um, Saber, Zack Saber Jr. and David Starr, I thought they had a real good match. Uh, there was also Jack Sexsmith and Zach Gibson, which. The crowd was like really, really into. Uh, there was that point where Sexsmith, he was about to get counted out again, but then like the people in the front row kind of just shoved him in the ring. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. That was just such a great moment. I mean, if that doesn't tell you what, what the progress fans think of, of Sexsmith, um, there is a genuine connection there, isn't there, with him? Um, it was just he, everything in this match as well. There was that, um, what what led to it was Gibson doing that Helter Skelter movie does on the outside. Yeah. And that's what he he beaten him by count out for the hadn't he on an earlier chapter. So there's some good. Yes, I believe there. that was forty seven. That's right, yeah. And just a perfect way to I mean, you're telling this story with Sexsmith and trying to make him a more serious wrestler. Nobody more perfect than Gibson to put him up against. Um, Gibson as well as promo before the match going on about um, Sexsmith's stupid fucking boots. Um, <laughs> he was doing again, just perfect. The perfect person, the perfect counter to a character like Jack Sexsmith. I just thought this was some of Gibson's best work of the year. And yeah, definitely a memorable match for them yeah. that people forget. And then we had the main event of the night, uh, Matt Riddle and Trent Seven, which went six seconds. <laughs> I thought this was an inspired decision. I remember watching it back, and you kind of think, I mean, it's the long shows, these super strong style weekends. I don't want to sound spoiled, but yeah. when you get a lot of good matches on on a night, um, it can go long. And I just thought, yeah, after a long first night, it was just a, a genius uh, decision to have uh, Seven go out in, in six seconds. It was just... And it, it followed Seven as well. He's someone who I prefer as a baby face, but as a heel, um, he was still very funny. And this followed him around, didn't it, for, for the rest of the year? Yeah, he's... Him just getting on the mic. Whenever Trent Seven got on the mic this year was a highlight for me. He's He's just so funny. Yeah. He's got a stand-up in his career, a stand-up uh, career, hasn't he, in his future? Definitely. And then uh, we would go on to night two, where Matt Riddle would wrestle Jeff Cobb in a match. I would call this match my uh, match of the tournament for me. Yeah, I think this is the one that everyone, when it comes to match of the year lists, I think strong style can kind of get forgotten because you see so much good stuff in a short time. But this yeah. is the one that stuck with everyone. They even called back that Trent match, didn't they, with a with a tease at the start with the the running knee from Riddle. Um, yeah. Imagine if he'd uh, beaten Cobb in the in the same same vein. But these are just the two wrestlers, aren't they? They just do realism so well. Um, 
the uh, Cobb suplexes always look real, Riddle strikes always look real. It was just, uh, it looked like an absolute blast to be at live, and one of the many reasons I, I wish I'd uh, made the journey for the Strong Style weekend. Definitely. There was um, one spot for this match that I just, that I just remember off the top of my head. It was Riddle. I think he hit the knee to Cobb, hmm. and then he went for the cover, and Cobb kicked out, and Riddle, like, flew out of the ring, <laughs> and he was just, like, hitting the apron, like, he was so frustrated, <laughs> like, that's a spot that I just remember to this day, as clear as day. He's so good, Riddle, he's, he's a prodigy, and it just, it's the little things like that, isn't it? Even when he... When he's been beaten down in a match, okay, he doesn't walk around like his leg's been broken in the old school wrestling style. But yeah. you can tell even by the way he kicks out with limp kickouts, the way he sells, because he's been in real fights, he sells like it's a real fight. Um, he's just, yeah, so, so, so good. And yeah, this is definitely one of the peaks of the, the progress year. I'd agree with you. And then uh, in the main event, we had the finals of the Natural Progression series. We had, uh, it was Jenny. Laura DiMatteo and Tony Storm in a three-way match. And Tony Storm got the win and won the title that, to this day, as of recording, she still holds. Yeah, it was... I remember this match hearing live reports. I hear people saying extremes, really. Some people saying it was a great match. Other people saying it was comically bad. Um, so I went in kind of expecting mm. the worst. And I didn't think it was that bad at the time. I think I enjoyed it. Um, there was a couple of awkward stuff. I think DiMatteo isn't a great base sometimes for dives and some of her offense it almost looks like this is really harsh but it does sound like she, it does look sometimes like she doesn't know how to do her own moves uh <laughs> and in there with with these two i just think she looked a bit out of place so i think if people from the live reports the people who were ripping into the match i think a lot of it was unfortunately to to do with her there um i was caught by surprise at the fact that the they put storm over i thought that uh the Ginny might be their choice for the first uh progress women's champion but so as you put it on a baby face, and it, it did feel like a, a genuine uh, feel-good moment uh, for Tony Storm. Yeah, it did. It was... Uh, I was closer to the uh, positive side of the reaction. I thought this match was... I wouldn't call it like my match of the night, especially with Riddle and Cobb on the show, but mm. I thought this was uh, I thought this was pretty good, and Tony Storm, as a champ, did surprise me. I thought it was Ginny all the way. Like, I didn't... Like, at the time, I thought Tony Storm was still, she kind of still felt, like, on the outside part of the women's division yeah. to me. Like, she had one foot out the door as well with yeah. know, contracts in Japan and WWE coming calling. Yeah, that that's what surprised me, too. Yeah, but uh, she got the win here. She's still the champ to this day. Um, how do you feel about her title run so far? It's been fine. I think... I think the women's division could really do with a shake-up. Um, yeah. I think they've been trying, though. They've been putting Millie McKenzie over a lot lately. Um, yeah. They're bringing in people like uh, Charlie Morgan, who I think is a really good character who they could get behind. Um, but I think the, the thing that sums it up is they've got a Genie tony Storm match coming up uh, on the next yeah. chapter, a, a time I recorded. And as much as I love both of those women, uh, I don't know if I'm a little bit... I think because they, they were both around before the title... Um, they've somehow managed to become a touch stale, I think, as good as they both are. And I do think we need some some fresh names to mix in. And yeah, Tony Storm's defenses have been fine. Just nothing jumps out to me as blow away uh, throughout the year. They've just been solid, good matches. I mean, I feel I kind of feel the opposite way to you about the Tony Storm Ginny match because I feel like 
they've built Tony up as this like unstoppable champion. Like he's cleaned out the division. And I feel like recently they've built Ginny up as this like as like this biggest challenger she's had. So it kind of feels like this big like super match for the women. I would say that yeah, I think a positive I would say is the fact that they have been building Ginny up. The fact that there's there's been shows where unbelievably there's been two women's matches going on or two women's feuds happening oh. at the same time uh, which you don't often see in promotions so they've done a good job yeah from that point of view i definitely can see that yeah so but that's coming up so uh to get back to super strong style we get to night three uh we had a few tag matches uh but uh in the tournament uh we had travis banks and zach saber jr uh, as our first semifinal match, um, I thought this match was really good. Uh, what'd you think? Yeah, Banks and Saber are just. Uh, I think this was important for Banks. I think to have uh, a match like this with a uh, Zach Saber is, is someone we talked earlier about Osprey and, and uh, Marty Scale not being with the company uh, too much that year because of potentially Ring of Honor. Uh, but Zack Sabre's someone who he had a, a New Japan contract, uh, but he was still able to, to do these big tournaments and, and do a lot more shows for, for progress than the other two guys. So I don't know what was going on there, but I think was, this was the ideal use of him. He almost felt like a, a guest on, on progress shows, Zack Sabre, as much as he's, you know, been around since day one. Um, but yeah, perfect person to, to put Banks over it in, in the lead to the final, but also someone that you could, genuinely believe uh, might actually upset him and, and beat Banks and, uh, and make his, his own way to the final. Right, and it's going to be weird to say this, but it kind of, but Zack Sabre Jr. is kind of like the Brock Lesnar of progress. Yeah, I got you. Where he kind of just shows up to the big shows, but like, yeah, he shows up for the big shows and like his match is important, mm. so to speak, so... Yeah, uh, also on the show, I believe this was for the Progress World title. It was Pete Dunne and Jeff Cobb. I thought this was a really good match as well. Yeah, I think, uh, again, Jeff Cobb is someone I'd love to see back in progress a little bit more. Um, I think he Definitely. really made an account of himself on this weekend, didn't he? Um, I know a big spot in the match was him kicking out of the, the pedigree, which had, uh, Pete Dunne had been getting over over the, the previous uh, weeks. And it was another, yeah. I mean, it was a good, another match where I, I could kind of see uh, Cobb maybe getting the win. This was the point where they were, Obviously, you could kind of see where they were going uh, with Banks. Yeah. So, it again, unlikely that Dunn's going to lose. But I think they did a good job here of, of having Cobb throw Dunn around. And this was a match where, you know, the, the screwy finishes and the Dunn kind of tr- trying to cheat um, didn't really uh, factor into the finish here. It was kind of a match where he tried all the cheating. That stuff didn't work. Um, and he managed to, in the end, get his win with, a, with his bitter end slash drop dead uh, move um, yeah. so I think that was it was an important match for Pete Dunn to, to get a win like that um, but also yeah for Cobb what a weekend definitely the import of the weekend and I don't know about you but Cobb was someone that was kind of off my radar until off my radar until 2016-2017 he was kind of that guy who apparently plays Matanza on Lucha Underground um, he's really yeah. broken out in 2017 hasn't he? Oh yeah he's just a guy who when you see him he just jumps off the page like I still remember, um, well, I, it was like a month ago, but uh, a World Tag League for New Japan. It was his first match. It was an eight-man tag. 
and he tags in, and within 30 seconds, the New Japan crowd at Corrigan Hall is just, they're behind him. They're all in on him. Mm. And that's just what the kind of guy Jeff Cobb is. He picks people up, just throws them around, and he's just super impressive that way. Yeah, he's the man. Yeah, and then we had the Super Strong Style final. It was Travis Banks and uh, Tyler Bate. Uh, what did you think of this match? Absolutely loved it. I thought it was... I think this is the peak of Travis Banks' year in progress. He might have had better matches later on in the year. Um, but as far as the story for him, I think this was kind of the peak. It had the the big fight atmosphere. Um, it would kind of make sense that it that it'd be that these two that they they trust out there to to be the final. Um, like you said, you had the the undercurrent of CCK being knocking around and uh, potentially being there to help out Banks, which which they were in the end. And yeah, just absolutely awesome match. And there was it, it felt like one of those matches watching where the crowds were. There was like audible nose when Tyler was hitting his, his Tyler driver and going for his, his yeah. finish. There was people were genuinely invested here, um, which might be I might say the opposite to that later on with some of Travis Banks booking. Uh, yeah. But yeah, this was the peak of it. This is the place. Just when he finally got the win, uh, he finally got the done to tap out. It was just the place exploded with cheers and confetti and strangers hugging each other. Um, this was a real highlight of. I know it was it was predictable, but sometimes uh, predictable uh, is predictable for a reason. It's worth following through because yeah. it makes logical sense, and this is what people wanted to see. Definitely, Banks was he was like the hottest guy in like British wrestling at that like point in time. Because was it around this time where he won like the Fight Club title? Um, it was that earlier. It was earlier because yeah, I, the thing with Travis Banks in Fight Club Pro, they built it was the year before where they built up and winning yeah, the Infinity yeah. Trophy, and he won the belt early in the year. It wasn't. I don't think it'd be long after this that he actually lost the Fight Club Pro belt. He, I think he's definitely he's definitely so far had a much stronger run as as Progress Champion than he did as Fight Club Champion. Yeah, yeah, but the, like at this time, Travis Banks was just like he was the guy to go with, yeah. and. The bait story with uh, Dunn, I could see that working, but you've got Banks there. True. You go with it, yeah. and they did the right thing there going with uh, going with Travis Banks to win. Definitely. All right, on to Chapter 50. We got uh, the big 50th chapter show. I give it six months. Um, this was the start. This was the start of Pete Dunn not defending his title until Alexander Palace because uh, Travis Banks had asked for the title shot there. And Pete Dunn basically said, all right, you'll wrestle me because I'm not defending the title anymore. <laughs> uh, How would you feel about that? I think I liked it. If I think they could have done more with it. I think the idea of, well, Pete will wrestle anybody. And if they beat him, then they get a title shot. Um, I thought that would be a quick way to give someone like a an Eddie Dennis or an up-and-coming babyface, a, a yeah. win over Pete Dunne, but then they lose the title match. I thought that was the direction they were going, so they didn't quite fully uh, fulfil that, but on this night, uh, Donovan Dijak came out, didn't he, as the, the big surprise for Dunne, and he was... Yes, he did. It, it was quite funny, because again, he was, on, he was on Twitter acting like he was in America somewhere, or he was going to the supermarket, or he did some innocuous tweet like that, and yeah. then he came out of the curtain. I was like, ah, you worker. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that, that, I think that was good, and yeah, it's a shame. I mean, Dijak, 
I didn't really enjoy him in Ring of Honor, um, but pretty much since he left Ring of Honor, I enjoyed a lot of his work and probably would have liked to have seen him in more matches like this one with Pete Dunne. Yeah, and, well, I mean, right now he's completing his six-month course at the Performance Center learning how to look at the hard camera. So <laughs> The Lago Loop. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we uh, also on the show. Tony Storm had her first defense against Kaylee Ray. I I thought this was pretty good. Hmm. You know, again, nothing stand out, but I thought it was all right. Uh, we also had the beginning of Team Jimmy Havoc and Mark Haskins. They uh, they lost to the Origin, and we brought it up earlier. But to date, this is Nathan Cruz's last uh, last progress match. Yeah. Um... I think um, I was looking at the res- just looking at the results. It seems odd. You look at it and go, Cruz and Gibson really beat Havoc and Haskins, but it was the the impetus, wasn't it, for for the big turn and for Vicky Haskins uh, getting involved and and then trying something fresh with with Havoc and Haskins. Um, so it was, a, I suppose, a good way of uh, leading, make, making sense out of of that big turn that was to come. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I don't know, what have you made of Havoc and Haskins since this point? Um, they both were, I mean, we've talked a little bit earlier on about maybe Haskins uh, not having the strongest year after his big comeback, and I don't think Havoc ever really fully bedded into that babyface role. Uh, have you enjoyed them as an actor going forward from this show? Yeah, as a team together, I think they're great. Um, I even dug them in like these matches before um, like their big match at Alexander Palace. Mm. Um, I have been thinking for a while, like maybe putting these two in the tag team division, like because I was thinking, like I had heard like of Clint Margera, and I know him and Jimmy Havoc team up in uh, Fight Club Pro. So right. I was like at that point thinking maybe they bring them in as a team and they go after the tag titles, or maybe Team Haskins up with somebody. Mm. But um, putting mm. them together, this like, is. This is kind of where they set the seeds, isn't it? They kind of yeah. made it as... They kind of... They were buddies who didn't quite get along, who, who were, you know, feuding, but it was more of a respectful babyface feud. I suppose we, we should have all seen the uh, the heel turn, turn come in later on. But, yeah, I think some of it with Havoc and Haskins, both in this initial babyface run and later in the heel run, has just been... It's more something to do with the two of them rather than them having any inspired creative idea um right. but i do think when you're a company like progress when you've got two people like this who probably aren't going to wwe any anytime soon you do have to think of ways to to freshen them up don't you and like i say this right. this baby face feud and then the later uh heel incarnation is is something uh, i suppose that you can do with those two yeah and then in our main event we had CCK beating British Strong Style for the tag team titles. Do you think this was a bit soon to go with that? I think, uh, well, they lose the titles the next chapter to um, back to British Strong Style. And I Mm. think, like, I know, like, they're going with the hot hand. So I see, like, I see the process there. But losing them that quick, I think that did them some damage. And then... Uh, after chapter 51, they don't really, like, they don't do too much it, uh, until Ali Pally. It kind of took some, I mean, it was a great moment. The, the debut was a great moment. Winning the belts here was a great moment. And people were dying to see Trent and Tyler lose. But, yeah, it kind of took the wind out of the sails of their real big win that came later. Um, 
the big show at, at Ali Pali in September. So, right. yeah, and I don't think I'd have done it, uh, but I do get what you're saying. It's kind of like, well, these are, these are the hot guys. Uh, this will really get them over. Uh, maybe that was the thinking from the, the progress management. Maybe they thought this was just a, a good way of solidifying this uh, this team and business in progress. Yeah, and I there's also, like, there were five shows to go before Alexandra Palace, so how do you really, like keep CCK hot True. through those five shows. True. I think the, the so. other thing, I was kind of expecting maybe a summer of six-man matches with CCK and British Strong style, but I don't think you could do that either because I think Progress yeah. and other companies kind of burnt that match, so you probably couldn't do that either. So, yeah, I, I kind of get it there as well. And it's not like there were other teams crewing, queuing up, were they? Because, as you mentioned, Cruz was on his way out. Havoc and Haskins were in the, the early stages of, of what they were about to do. So, yeah, maybe there was just no uh, no other option. Yeah. Uh, and that would bring us to uh, Chapter 51, Screaming for Progress. This was in Manchester, I believe. And, yeah, we did have British Strong Style uh, in a six-man tag match, winning the titles back. Um, it wasn't for the titles originally, but uh, Trent Seven basically goaded them into it. Uh, and I remember after the show seeing people on Twitter just heated at this. <laughs> yeah, people were mad. It was part of it as well. You look like, oh, well, have they been worked into being mad? Have people been worked by the story? Uh, maybe there's an element to that. But overall, it was. I think it was people just echoing what we were kind of saying there that it just seemed a bit silly especially to take the belts off them in this way as well in a in a six-man match a, a six-man match that again i thought during this period got really overdone as the the two premier uh six-man units uh, that, that were going around um yeah i certainly wouldn't have done it um and again i think i think it, it probably hurt cck more than it helped them uh, but yeah. I, but I suppose uh, again, I, I can kind of see the logic getting behind it. Right, and I think it, I think like the anger over this match was also due to like just people being sick of British strong style at this yeah. point. The Triple H stuff was just it was out of zenith at this point, wasn't it? It was just it was too yeah. much, just too much. This was this was the point in my reviews where I would write uh, British strong style go for pedigrees because Triple H is over. <laughs> so. Yep. Yeah, uh, we. Uh, I called this match the second best show of the year because uh, oh, there was like a bunch of fun stuff on it. We had a uh, again Haskins and Mike Bird. Like, like doesn't make Mike Bird a good person, but <laughs> he had good matches. And then we had uh, Jimmy Havoc and Jigsaw again. Like Jigsaw just coming out of nowhere and then just. Going back into nowhere. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit weird, wasn't it? Just a, a random. Maybe mm-hmm. somebody was a fan of mid two thousand Chikara. Oh, we can get Jigsaw. Let's book it. I think he was living over in the UK for a little while. I think that's what the the situation was. All right, and then then we had the two matches that uh, are on my progress top ten for the year. We had War Machine and the London Riots, which was just that match, just insanity. Mm. I mean, you mentioned Mike Bird, then it's hard to talk James Davis matches. He's someone that's been a lot more consequential allegations made about. He's even been pulled from progress shows, hasn't he? Because there's some allegations of him and and, and women. Um, But just talking about the match itself, yeah, at the the time, um, I thought this was amazing. I absolutely love War Machine. 
there's just something about them and their their live matches and this was two groups of big lads just beating the shit out of each other and War Machine just uh, they get people on the feet for all of their right. big spots every time Hanson does something silly like a cartwheel or a dive that by all rights he shouldn't be doing um, I, I was jumping up and down in my spot watching this match um, I just love that team and I, I'm not one who's usually made up when indie guys go to WWE obviously you're made up for them personally but I'm sad yeah. that we're not going to see War Machine I'm not going to get to see War Machine live up and personal like I got to see here and not see them on the indies and in New Japan absolutely killing it but I do think yeah. they'll, they're so good that they're, they're probably going to kill it in NXT as well main roster's another question but yeah they're awesome and well, these teams are the, a set of awesome matches like this definitely and like there was like I keep talking about like the moments that I remember from progress in the year mm. and the one is when Hansen does the handspring back elbow like to Jiri that's right and yeah. people are literally just jumping up and down <laughs> losing their minds insane definitely and then we had Dylan Walter 2 and this match was where Walter would win the pro- the uh, Atlas title and this match was just, again, like, these were back-to-back on the VOD, and just another incredible match. Yeah, just, I just think that these two have just got such good chemistry. Um, it, it came on a weekend where the day before I'd gone down to the British uh, J-Cup to, to Rev Pro, and Riddle, the night before this ridiculous match, I wrestled Tomohiro Ishii in a similar Ooh. ridiculous match. I mean, imagine oh my God. that two-day run, I mean, his chest must have just been in absolute bits. Um, insane. But yeah, it was just the strikes, the, the chops of Walter. Um, Walter working over Riddle's leg. And I just, there's something, both men, these are two wrestlers who I would say are people who... You watch their matches, and it is a wrestling match, and you see him wrestling moves, but it's a fight. You, they, they, okay, Riddle, Riddle or Volta might use a powerbomb, but when he uses the powerbomb, it looks like something you believe in the moment that Volta would do that in a real fight. He'd probably be able to do that. There's just something yeah. about the moves they use, and all of Riddle's stuff is the same. He he sticks to offense that that, that looks like it's got a real impact, like it's in, in a real fight. and Yeah, it's just a match made in heaven, these two. Um, I was just a little bit sad that, that from here Volta didn't go on a on a similar uh, run to, to, to Riddle um, but again it was awesome um, so I shouldn't complain too much yeah and like Walter he like most of his stuff is like just simple like offense like chops and boots mm-hmm. like but he does them so well and with such impact that it that it just has the same impact as, like, a more intricate, like, wrestling move. Hmm. So, just, yeah, great stuff there. That's Chapter 51. And then we get into Chapter 52, uh, Vote Pies. <laughs> I don't get that reference. Uh, it's, uh, there's a, it's weird, because this was a Manchester show, wasn't it? And a few, yeah, a few I believe of, so. A few of our motorways, you'd call them highways, I think. Um, there's graffiti everywhere that's there's a, there used to be there was a shitty indie band called the pies and i think in the early 90s part of their marketing was to just go around graffiti and big things with things like vote pies so i think on the motorway as you drive to manchester that's one of the the graffiti signs there they love a they love an obscure oh, okay. reference the progress lads uh well i 
sort of get it now. <laughs> All right, so this was the official start of Pete Dunn and Travis Banks, the feud going in to Alexander Palace, where they picked their opponents. Mm. And, man, this was a really bad story. <laughs> a really bad storyline. Uh I'm so glad to hear you say that because yeah, this this just this detested yeah. my my patience for progress here. This is around the time where I was probably at the lowest as a as far as enthusiasm for for progress went because uh, okay, yeah, there was a lot of shows to fill as you mentioned before to get yeah. to the big match. So I kind of understand it from there, but I think that's where progress are at the weakest when they've got too much time on their hands because you get. Yeah. Silly stuff like Matt Riddle and Travis Banks having an absolutely incredible match, and then the finish is WWE Monday Night Raw style distraction bollocks. It's just oh, uh, nobody wanted to see it. Um, it's good that they, they paid this back. I mean, spoilers later on when Travis Banks did become the champion, he got to avenge this this loss to Matt Riddle. But I thought Matt right. Riddle looked like a dick as well. You know, uh, getting a win via. Pete Dunne distraction and not really being bothered. Um, just bad stuff from right, a like, point of view. This wasn't, ne- like, that wasn't necessary. Uh, uh, Riddle has, like, that flash finisher, that knee that knocks people out. Just have him catch Banks with it and then, boom, you got your loss. Mm. And then Banks can get his win back later, but my, like, idea for this storyline, like, because Banks would lose this match, he lose 53, mm. he lose in Boston, and he was laid out in 54. He won the match, but he ended up getting laid out. Right. And this whole like just summer took the steam, took a lot of a lot of the shine off Travis Banks. Definitely, like, I just think so. A huge part of why, like I said before. Super Strong Style was the high point for Banks, and instead of building him up and making the big event be when he finally won the belt, it kind of went the opposite way, didn't it? It certainly it hit my, right. my interest. Like, through Travis Banks' like, whole progress run going back to last year, he had only been pinned once, and that was in that tag title match at, where was it, 45. Mm. And then he gets pinned three times in four shows. Mm. And it's just, it's just bad. Yeah. Like, for this storyline where they pick their opponents, Banks doesn't need to lose. Have him go undefeated, full head of steam going into the big show. Yeah. And then for Dunn, you could have him lose once to set up a title match and then have him mow through that guy. So it's kind of like two, like, full steam trains going head to head against each other. Instead, Dunn beat everybody, and Banks looked <laughs> looked like a Banks looked like a dope. He just looked like a schmuck, didn't he? And you know, yeah, just, you're exactly right. I think this was the show as well. Pete Dunn against Eddie Dennis. This was right at the oh, peak yeah, of yeah. Eddie Dennis with that real life momentum. He done that great video saying that he was retiring from being a, a head teacher in a school to become a wrestler full time, and yes. everyone was so behind him. And they did do a good job with the match. There was. I thought this match was fantastic. He gave Eddie so much, didn't he? So many big near falls. Uh, right. Both with his finish, and I think he kicked out of the bitter end. 
Um, yeah. They gave him a lot, and it took, wouldn't you know, it, a sledgehammer, a pedigree, and a bitter end to, to end it. It's just, yeah. Um, like, it, it did feel like a star moment for Eddie, but it could have been so much bigger if, like you say, they just give him this win. And even if he does lose the title match, I think it would have been a, a great moment and a real missed opportunity, I think. Right. And that was like the crowd was ready for it. Dunn was on point. Like, this was where, where he started, like, losing his mind and going after, like, ring crew and fans. <laughs> That's like, right, yeah. They were ready for it, and I think they could have gotten a big main event out of this, mm. uh, but they didn't, and it just... And it just felt like a missed opportunity, but I felt like this match was really great. Yeah, absolutely. Should have been and the main event as well. Probably should have gone on last. Yeah. Should have been the main event, because uh, it was British Strong Style and War Machine in the main event, and... It was fine, but yeah, it was it. There was a lot more British strong style shenanigans than action. Yeah, I think they should have seen that coming. I think, I, I guess maybe in the progress booking meeting they were looking at how good that War Machine match was was with the riots, um, and thought we'd get the same thing here, and it just wasn't quite. On that level, was it? Um, right. Yeah, a lot right. of comedy. They did have some good moments with, I think I remember Tyler Bates, airplane spinning, the, the both of them. Because um, uh, I remember being there live at the, in the crowds, and this was another moment where there was huge Tyler Bates chance, another reason why I always thought that WWE story didn't exactly connect. Um, but yeah, I think, I think even in this one, the finish was a pedigree as well, so I definitely wouldn't have put this one on last. Yeah, so that would lead into Chapter 53, Fate Loves the Fearless. Uh, we had CCK beating Extra Talented for the tag team title shot. This was a number one contender match for reasons. <laughs> and all I have to say about this is that Extra Talented looked like Extra Talent. Yep, that's them. Yep. Uh, we had the gr- the debut of the Grizzled Young Vets. It was uh, James Drake and Zach Gibson. Uh, James Drake, not having the best year, uh, <laughs> teamed up with Zach Gibson, and I thought they killed Never Say Die. Yeah. And I thought this match was awesome for what it was. Like, it really just... Those two flowed well, and... It was there, like, I saw, like, okay, James Drake, we can, we got something here. I think he's, he's Randy Orton, isn't he? He's one of, he's one of those guys. Uh, yeah. I know a lot of people in the northwest of England where I live who either trained with him or wrestled him, and everyone always talks about how good James Drake is, and it's yeah. a bit like Orton. Okay, he's a pro's pro, he does all the right things, doesn't mean I want to watch him. <laughs> it's kind right. of a thing with me, but... I would say this, I mean, I was at this time very, very negative on Drake even being in the company. Uh, yeah, I've got me to be too. honest, he's done a really good job with, with Gibson. I mean, he still feels like it's Gibson plus one. Um, and in some ways, it, it probably could be anybody there. But I do think should probably give him credit as well. I think the two of them have yeah. got a good chemistry. They, they run a wrestling school that's in the, the city where I live in Liverpool. Um, so they, you know, they, they've got that real life chemistry as well. And yeah, like you say, this particular match was much better than the, the tag match that came before it. Um, 
Cupid and D'Angelo do look like actual children sometimes, but they, <laughs> they, they showed a lot of fire, I think, in this match, and they did what their job was, which was to put over Drake and Gibson, and it was yeah, a good start for the team, who've, who've turned into a, a highlight for the rest of the year, although part of me still wishes that, that Zach Gibson got that world title run that I was convinced he was going to get in 2016. Me too. I thought it was going to be Haskins and then Gibson, mm-hmm. and then we'd go on from there, but... Well, hey, they're the tag champs now, and it's still weird seeing them with a belt. Yep. Um, we had a match I really liked, but due to circumstances, kind of hard to look back at. Uh, James Davis and Rob Lynch. Mm. Yeah, it was. And then we had. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was oh. just gonna say. I mean, I I enjoyed it at the time as well. It was just a crazy brawl, the kind of thing you'd expect from those two, and they even had the the big heartfelt promo at the end of the night didn't they and the yeah the ridiculous turn there of jd into the strangler um yeah that whole thing (laughs) but yeah maybe the less said about that the better yeah i i was about to say celeste will be talking about james davis on this show (laughs) uh we had british strong style and jimmy havoc and mark haskins for the tag team titles which was weird because Havoc and Haskins had separately asked for world title shots, and they get a tag title shot instead, (laughs) which was weird, but uh, British Strong Style beat them, and then after the match, Havoc and Haskins get into a big fight. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of, that was a a lukewarm bill, I thought, sort of. Yeah. What was kind of the the secondary big singles match on the on the big show coming up in September? Um, I like Vicky Haskins. I think she's good in the role, and her being a reason for them to feud. I think it was Havoc pushing her, wasn't it, to kind of set this off? Yeah, but... he kind of like he didn't like shove her. He kind of like moved her out of the way, it, and yeah. that kind of just. Mm-hmm. And then Haskins lost it. Yeah, but yes, I I like Vicky Haskins as well. She is. <laughs> He's very pretty. Yes. Yes. And then in our main event, we had Keith Lee and Travis Banks. Uh, Keith Lee beat Banks. And what did you think of this match? Because I have thoughts. Just awesome. (laughs) I think (laughs) Keith Lee is like, I was surprised that this is the way they brought him in as well. Um, It's not very progress, is it, to use a, a lot of imports? I think this year. They've used more than than usual, I think, and they, they kind of brought him in as in an exhibition match for the main event. But I think the Progress fans knew exactly who he was. Um, he's got that kind of, I would say, he's got kind of like a dad charisma. He just seems like uh, yeah. there's just something. He's like he's been an indie guy for years, hasn't he? And he got some buzz in Ring of Honor and then evolved. But it's this indie run that's got him over, and the fans t- took to him as well with all the chanting. And it was just, the bulk of the match was, was Banks selling and, and Keith Lee just throwing him round. And both men are just so good um, at those two roles. So, yeah, as far as a match goes, I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. But uh, the finish, yeah, I'm guessing you've got thoughts. Yeah. Um, were you live at this uh, at this show? No, I didn't make it down to this one. This is where I was I was losing my love for progress a little bit, so I wasn't making that uh, yeah. the long trek down to London anymore. I was just doing the, the Northern and Midland shows. Yeah, well, we had Pete Dunn on commentary. Uh, was this where he kicked Callum Leslie in the balls? It's one or was of, that the next show? I think it's one of the several times. Um, uh, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had Pete Dunn on commentary. And he ruined this match for me because not Glenn, not Glenn though. Uh, I 
I've gotten, I'm used to him now. <laughs> it's like Michael Cole. What am I going to do? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's more it's the screaming with Joseph. I remember that yeah. when they put Dunn on commentary, I was like, oh, could they not have replaced uh, Glenn? I just think Glenn. I, I think Callum Leslie and Matt Richards are really good at the job, so I don't think you yeah. need Glenn in the in the booth anymore. But yeah, you're right. Peter wasn't much better. Yeah, he he just like distracted from the match and like made it seem like just secondary. Mm. And then the one part I really hated was at the end where he basically just said, hey, I'm going to go interfere now. Okay, bye. <laughs> Very edging Christian. Yep, and then he came and he interfered, and Keith Lee won. And Travis Banks looked like a dope again. Yep. Weird, Lee, the imports going over because of interference, just odd. And like you say, that, that the Banks losing streak, just awful. Ten years on. Yeah. Uh, but then we had the post match, uh, British Strong Style beat down CCK, and they had uh, Travis set up for murder, I guess. <laughs> and then Keep It 100 hit, and TK and Dahlia came back. My God. Oh my God, the pop. <laughs> you asked if I was there. This is where I wished I was there, because this was a completely out of left field, wasn't it? Even, even TK looked like he was shaking. He had tears in his eyes if I remember rightly it was just incredible I go back and I watch this all the time because it's just pure joy <laughs> everyone's happy they run them off and it's just like everyone's screaming and jumping and hugging and high-fiving and it's just <laughs> it's just happiness yeah yeah, definitely one of the, the feel-good moments of the year for progress. Boy, that would last long, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Progress yeah. New York! <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about the start of the show first, because we'd have... Well, Pete Dunne would get hurt before the show. Like, the night before, he would take a shoot pedigree and, like bust his head open and not cleared for the show. And Jack Gallagher didn't have anybody to wrestle. And then Gibson came out and they had a really good match. Yeah, I think uh, if you were going to put him against anybody, that was the person. I think if you've got Jack Gallagher there, I think the the perfect thing to do is, well, Zach Gibson is somebody who he's wrestled for years uh, all around England and, and the Northwest. Uh, they've got a story. I think they've both came out and said they're each other's favorite opponent um and this was probably the apart from the uh, the the big story wasn't it, it was the hot uh, building that nobody could show oh, yeah. out but this was the <laughs> other big story uh, this match and the, the fact that gibson's heel stuff traveled as well it, it's very uh oh, yeah. very regional very uh, it's it's about stereotypes of the the city that i live in as well um but it, the he carried out um over to to the u.s and it it definitely worked Yep, and then we had a big four-way. It was, who was it? Austin Theory, Mark Haskins, Mark Andrews, and Keith Lee. Mm -hmm. And this was originally supposed to be a three-way with Andrews, Haskins, and Gibson, but Gibson got pulled, and then they just put two uh, Theory and Lee in there, Mm -hmm. and they had, their match was insane, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just the... 
I don't always love the, the multi-man matches, but this was a great example of it. Um, and Keith Lee being in there as a base for the for the other three guys is, is probably a big part of what made that work. So, yeah, definitely a memorable one. Yeah, and uh, Austin Theory, like, I don't watch Evolve, um, but Austin Theory was the guy who impressed here, and I'm glad to hear he's uh, he's getting a push in Evolve mm-hmm. recently, too. So that's good to hear. And then we had... Uh, I believe this was the first match announced, the first or the second. Uh, Jimmy Havoc and Joey Janela, no DQ. This was craziness as you would expect from these two. Yeah, I I was surprised that when Janela was over in the UK, they, on the back of this appearance, they didn't use him more. Um, I think he fits perfectly. Um, it was an incredible match. I think the most memorable thing about the match is that that monkey flip spot they did with the chair. I think Janela's re- uh, yeah. retired that now, hasn't he? But that that thing yeah, always yeah. Sucks, right. I don't think they hit it as as perfectly again as they they did in this match. Yeah, uh, this was the, also where the uh, Ginny and Dahlia Black feud started. Their tag match, Ginny would go after Dahlia's leg because mm-hmm. he was just coming back from breaking her leg. Definitely. Yeah, and then um, then everything was sad. <laughs> we got British Strong Style and the South Pacific Power Trip. TK Cooper went up, he came down, and his leg was broken. Can't catch a break, that guy. Uh, I remember when the news first started filtering out, and I heard the the podcast the the progress owners did about it, and you know the, the just heartbreaking. Um, yeah, poor guy. I'm I'm glad that on the VOD they kind of cut there, didn't they? After that point, they were just yeah, it's not like they, they did. Try to you know there was no end to the match or anything like that. It was it was just over, and everyone knew the real life story. Just just so sad that they. They had this big comeback, you know, only only a show before, and uh, and now here they are. Um, I'm glad that I suppose through the year, Progress did do the right thing, didn't they? They gave uh, I think TK got some work as as doing like yeah. the podcasts and the, the post show stuff, and he was certainly hanging around, but yeah, just just really bad. Um, feel feel so much for for that couple, but hopefully, uh, 2018 went on to to better things for TK Cooper. Definitely, I remember. I was at work that sun was that a Sunday or I was at work that day mm. and I was um scrolling through and I saw like the news and I was just like Oh come on <laughs> Yeah Dang it He just got back Yeah Yeah but uh, he's spoiler alert, he's back now, so <laughs> hopefully twenty eighteen will we'll treat him better and we'll get that Power Trip Young Bucks match that was supposed to happen at PWG. Oh yeah, that was an Oh match. my god, oh, that would have been huge for his career, wouldn't it? Uh, that would have, it would have put those two like they were my tag team of the year mm. before then, and they were still like my top three once the year ended. Mm. But though, but them breaking out in PWG would have really just put them on the fast track. I really wanted to see what TK could do as well, because it's like, I know Joe Lanza from Voices of Wrestling is always saying that he prefers TK to Travis Banks by quite a lot. I wouldn't go that far, um, but I do think, yeah, we could have seen some excellent stuff from from TK in 2017. I just hope the the injury doesn't uh, doesn't slow him down. Yeah, and um, he did uh, have a match at the... um... At the Dome show that just went up on Progress uh, with the unfortunately aforementioned Mike Bird. So we'll have to check that out and see how he's doing. For sure. 
And uh, then the main event of Progress New York was Riddle Walter 3, and Matt Riddle would get the title back. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. So this was head-scratching for me at the time. Um, I really thought we were getting a, a long uh, Walter title run. Uh, I don't, do you think this was part, maybe part of it was to do something big in, in the US? There wasn't really much... I suppose else newsworthy here. It's a big title change, isn't it? Maybe it was something for the market. Um, I did yeah, think it maybe, was a decision. Uh, maybe that in part, like because Riddle's like evolve runs in New York all the time, and they love Riddle in New York. Mm. They love Riddle everywhere. Yeah, but, Riddle. Um, I think this might have been also like a call after seeing like TK break his leg to like. Send people home with like a happier memory. Could be onto something. Feel good moment. Yeah, I mean, as yeah, a match though, it, it was awesome as well, wasn't it? I mean, again, it's Matt Riddle and Walter. What are you gonna do? <laughs> and then uh, there was Progress Boston the next night. Uh, they had they had a time getting there. <laughs> uh, there are several podcasts. Listen to the Tuesday Night Jaw with the um, with the three owners of Progress talking about their time getting there where a bus just disappeared on them and uh they're still feuding with yeah. that bus company to this day aren't they on on twitter they don't seem to want to let that one go um but i didn't see the show did you i saw the gallagher banks match um i thought it was interesting that gallagher won both matches um yeah but yeah other than that not a huge amount uh, notable very interesting that Jack Gallagher beat the number one contender of the Progress title. Just a nice, another loss. Why not? Yep. Chapter 54, Go to Your God Like a Soldier. Boy, this show didn't matter. Oh, this was a, if you bought a ticket to this show, you would be kicking yourself because it was a go-home row, wasn't it? That's what it was. Yeah. It was a, a big segment with Morgan Webster in the ring with a, with a plant pot and uh, standing between Havoc and Haskins, and there was a tag team match player made for the main event with those guys and Pete Dunne and Travis Banks being tag team partners <sighs> who don't get along. It was it was all of the bad WWE tropes, which uh, uh, this WWE relationship. I think it's one of the reasons it doesn't sit well with me is the fact that I watch Progress for for something different. They're the they were the punk rock alternative and. It just feels the more they get in bed with WWE, the more they, they seemed at this point at least to get inspired by their booking and they were doing all of the stuff that was the reason I wasn't watching Monday Night Raw. And like I said, if you if you bought a ticket to this show, you probably still had a good time, but you'd be thinking, why didn't I save my money and spend it on the uh, the actual uh, big show that was coming up next? God, the last thing anyone needs to do is take inspiration from <laughs> WWE booking. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we had uh, Dahlia Black beating Jenny for the uh, women's title shot at uh, Alexander Palace. I thought, well, I thought the match was good, but I kind of wish like this didn't happen because like the feud would go on, mm. and I didn't know that at the time. But the feud would go on, and Tony Storm would like clean the division out, and I kind of wish that this didn't happen because then it's like. It kind of signals that Ginny's getting the title shot because right. Dahlia already got hers. That's true. And yeah. I mean, again, we talked about it earlier. Predictable isn't necessarily bad, mm. but yeah, I think yeah, maybe, it's just they were trying to I think yeah. maybe, like you said, that 
Dyer had obviously had an unfortunate couple of weeks with the stuff with TK. Uh, I'm guessing they were trying to maybe give a, a feel good moment and you know put her on the big show. Um, but yeah, nothing hugely notable from me on it. Yep, and then we had our the dumbest main event in progress history. <laughs> well, let me not say that because I know there were like six man tag main events at like chapter like five and six or whatever, but this was so dumb. And it it just didn't matter, did it? It just right. And Pete Dunne nothing made, was gained. Pete Dunne made nothing. clear that it didn't matter to him because yeah, I, I felt bad for Havoc and Haskins. I was thinking like can, can, they're basically just wrestling Travis Banks. It's basically a handicap match. Um, why have they not and won yet? Uh, Travis Banks is putting everybody else over. So right, and then like Havoc and Haskins fell apart, so it basically became a three way. Yeah, yeah. And then Pete Dunn got the pin. So overbooked is probably the word, isn't it? Overbooked and overthought. Yeah. Yep, overbooked, underthought, just <laughs> dumb all around. Yeah. But hey, it got us to chapter fifty five. Alexandra Palace sold out was it? I believe so, yeah. yeah sold out? I remember at the time looking at tickets and yeah, it was sold out. Not as big as the year before, though. I think the attendance was just a touch lower than uh, what they'd done the year before in Brixton. Yeah, but still, big show. Chapter 55, Chase the Sun. uh, Started with, and it was basically the end of the CCK, British Strong Style whole thing. Because we had the ladder match for the tag titles, and then we had the main event. And CCK came out on top both sides. Suit, I, I will apologize to you here for the state of the, the ladders in our fair country. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's something about it that we just can't seem to get the furniture. Uh, and this was another example boy, oh, of it. <laughs> it was like that, remember that TLC match with the, uh, the Sumerian oh, Death Squad? Oh, yeah. I was live for that one. Boy, and the, oh, boy. It was all just falling apart. Basically, we go to Ikea for all our stuff like that. Um, and it's always going to fall apart when you're using those kinds of uh, things as weapons, and, and you've got four very heavy men trying to climb them. Um, yeah, it was uh, so th- there was that negative, but all in all, this was, I think, yeah, I'd probably say it was what my highlight of the night. I think, again, predictable isn't bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was glad to see CCK get the belts back, although, again, it was a bit, uh, I think, hurt by the fact that. They'd already won the belts once before, but I did think, even though it was a ladder match as well, it did tell a good story. A lot of it was built around the British Strong style, where they had the match won, and they were, you know, ego got the better of them, and they really wanted to beat the the CCK team down, and it was it was them coming back uh, that that kind of made the story there. And a lot of the match as well was was poor kid like us just taking. It's no wonder he gets injured oh, all the time, but he took so yeah. many nasty bumps in this match, didn't he? Um, yeah, I think this he is just got destroyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we also had uh, Tony Storm and Dahlia Black for the women's title. I thought this was one of, if not Dahlia Black's best match in progress. Mm. Yeah, I think it was good. I like I like Dahlia, but I don't. I think again we had the the feel good factor of, of her being in this match but I don't see long term money in her as a face I think she'd be a, a really great heel champion in progress uh, maybe they could do that this year yeah and then we had uh, Atlas title three way it was Walter, Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher I was fearful of how Thatcher would affect this match but he didn't he didn't really affect it that badly no it was 
I think I feared it being just being a three way. Um, it didn't feel yeah. right. I didn't think it was the type of match that that would suit any of the three men. Um, but I was well wrong. Um, this was if this wasn't the match of the night. It would be the close second. I would say. Um, yeah. It was just again. I think a big part of it is the fact that you've got the three guys who are very realistic in the style. And although it was a three way match, there wasn't much laying around on the outside like you'd see in a WWE three way. It was all yeah. three constantly looking like they were trying to win, and it always made sense when someone was out the way, like a like a Walter, who was just, you know, waiting for a big moment to come in and hit a big move. Um, it was worked really cleverly, and definitely one of my favorite three way matches. That, yeah, and uh, we would also say goodbye, I guess, to Marty Skrull. Uh, it was him and Zack Saber Jr. rematch from Chapter One, and uh, this was fine. Yeah, I think that was it. It was fine. Um, yeah. It was a little bit indulgent. They didn't have much to fight for, did they? And I think yeah, it was an open challenge, and then Marty Squirrel came out. Yeah, and that was it. Yeah, it was just it went a bit long as well. I thought when I watched it at the time, it was just for an exhibition match. Um, I just think the events a bit too much time in there, and they and there's something about these two. They've got really good chemistry, being best friends in real life, um, and yeah. sometimes they have incredible matches, but other times. When it's something like this where nothing really matters, again, it can get just a touch indulgent. Right, yeah. And another thing about this, can Progress learn how to cut intros to songs? <laughs> because, like, Mar- uh, Marty Squirrel has like a 20 second intro to his song, and I like it. Right. But I think it would have been better for the moment to just, like, cut into the whoop whoop yeah. and get into it instead of doing it in stages where you see the name yeah. then you get the early bit then yeah exactly yeah. i think that's probably probably would have been stronger but it was cool and i think he's someone who's been missed from from progress shows it's a it's a shame he's been yeah. gone yeah um and then we had what was my match of the night jimmy havoc and mark haskins just killed each other mm. Yeah, I think the the booking leading up, like we said, wasn't great, but they, they made up for it in the match, didn't they? Um, right, right. I, I think sometimes these matches uh, are better in the building than they are uh, watching back on VOD. Um, but yeah. it was creative. It was it was kind of cool. You still had uh, Haskins going... Like, every second movie does seems to start with a forward roll. And every, yeah. every, <laughs> he was still doing it, though. He'd, he'd forward roll into, like, a, using a barbed wire bat for an armbar. He was really... Uh, he was getting into the spirit of things, wasn't he? Um, yeah. You had Vicky Haskins out there trying to play uh, Mrs. Sandman um, for her part of the feud, <laughs> too. Uh, it still doesn't make much sense to me why, eventually, after this, they've become a... A heel team, but um, yeah, in the moment, I, I did enjoy this, uh, even if it didn't always feel like there was a genuine grudge in the build-up. Yeah, I I love this match. Like Jimmy Havoc uh, death matches are just they're like right up my alley. Even though I'm not like a death match guy, but sure. like when they're built up well, I could get into them. And this I just thought was really good, and. Them teaming up later, I someone described it to me as like this match dragged both these guys down into like losing their minds, mm. and they figured just and Vicky Haskins was just there to like put them together and evil mastermind take everybody else out. Yeah, she's the evil mastermind. So that's how it was explained to me, and eh, 
I'm fine with that. I think we're just, I'm just hopeful that maybe progress will explain that at one point. I think that's what's missing. Uh, yeah, because yeah. they were on uh, they were on unboxing and they were still saying we don't know why they're teaming up. <laughs> yeah, like Callum Leslie literally said, we still don't know why they're teaming up, but they're pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yep, and then uh, we had an eight-man scramble match for a title shot. Uh, this was the end of FSU. Uh, God, it was just, it was so sad because Mark gave Eddie Dennis the pin. He said he told Eddie to go for the pin, yeah. and then someone broke it up, and then in the end, and Mark Andrews won, and then at the end, you uh, they teased Flash Morgan Webster turning heel. But then he just shook his hand and walked away. And then from behind, Eddie Dennis hit the next out driver and left. Oh. And it was just, God, just so, a dagger. So perfect. That they were, I mean, they were even teasing Morgan Webster turning uh, in yeah, the seconds before. Yeah. I thought it was really clever the way they did it with layers. But Dennis, I mean, I wrote a review for Post Wrestling last week about what I mentioned Dennis. And I was saying that I just think with him, he's such a likable person. He's got such a, a, a real life story that's, you want to root for Eddie Dennis. He's he's become right. full time, but this he's so good at being a heel. He's been a revelation this you know the last oh six months God. or so. He's so good. He makes you he's, want to boo him. Um, he's been fantastic, <laughs> and we'll get to it. Yeah, but definitely. Yeah, just great stuff from him. <laughs> and then we had the main event: <laughs> Travis Banks, Pete Dunn. Well, we got here. Uh, yeah, that's exactly it. And. Um, we never got like there was a promo video for this that had no real personal touch to it. They didn't really do anything to make. I mean, Banks is such a genuine. If you'd have done like a sit down interview with Banks and show the real person, I think you would have got more drama than you would have with the stupid WWE Triple H stuff because yeah. they went for high drama here. They went for all lots of gimmicks. Um, there was a long stretch of really good wrestling in the middle of the match. Um, right. But again, towards the end, it was just a a bit of an overbooked mess, and I think maybe they felt like this was the the Triple H stuff uh, hitting its zenith. Um, this yeah. was, you know, it all built to this, and they wanted to get it all in and and, and tell the end of that story. Um, but no, it, it just it didn't work for me, and I I, I really thought that they they kill it these two guys. I thought that we believe in the gimmicks aside, we believe in the interference and the sledgehammers and the pedigrees aside, yeah. and we didn't. Um, and again, I think we got all of it, yeah. and yeah, like it makes me sad that we're. It doesn't seem like we're gonna get these two straight up. Mm. Because like there was the middle part where it was like really good, and then. We had the interference, and we had the sledgehammers, and at one point, I think it was the middle rope just gave way, That's and right. it just, yeah, it, we we got to the end of it. Yeah. Travis Banks won. We survived. And we survived. <laughs> so yeah, after this, we had like a month-long break between progress shows, which was nice because... I think we had just gotten tired of, like, the tropes and the crap. So the next show was their first ever all-women's tournament, Revelations of Divine Love. And a match that really stood out to me was uh, Millie McKenzie and Sierra Loxton. I thought these two just really stood out 
what do you think on uh, on Millie's future in progress? I think I I, I personally I built the division around her. Um, oh, I know, definitely. I know that that obviously she's big in at home promotion, Fight Club Pro, and yeah. there's a lot of Fight Club Pro influence it feels on the progress booking at the moment. But I wouldn't yeah. shy away from that. I think I'd I'd definitely go with her. Definitely, yeah. He she just seems like a star, and she's like she's younger than me, and it's just like. Yeah, she's got that star potential just <laughs> written all over. So, yeah, uh, but she would not win this tournament. Uh, Charlie Evans would. Uh, she beat Ginny in the final with a little help from Dahlia Black, although it didn't really factor into the conclusion of the match. Mm. So, uh, what do you think of that? Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, Charlie Evans is one who, in the subsequent times I've seen her, uh, she's never really impressed for me. Um I think she's fine. Um, I much prefer the other Charlie, Charlie Morgan. Um, but yeah, wasn't blown away really. I think it's good that I mean the mix of names that you've mentioned there. It's good the progress of bringing in flesh blood for the for the women's division. Um, I think progress maybe need to pick someone like Amelia McKenzie and stick to her and get behind her. She's the one who I would probably have uh, gone with here myself. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's an element of, uh, of my frustration too. I think. Yeah, well, I mean, they did bring uh, six of the women from this tournament back at uh, Unboxing Live. <laughs> and then um, at the last chapter show, Chapter 61, yeah, we got the tag they match, had, uh... yeah, we had like a non-title tag match and it was just, you know, four women unaffiliated with the title, which is yeah. super cool to see. That's it. That's something to, I mean, you don't want to get to the point, do you, where there's a women's match for the sake of there being a women's match? Because um, right. I know that was a criticism for people on the the last Sheffield show that there was uh, no wins match announced at all. But you're right, yeah, it's good that there's there's matches happening outside of the uh, the title picture for sure. Yeah, and a few weeks later we would get started with the next uh, the next stage of progress, Chapter Fifty Six, uh, La Dance Macabre. I hope I said that right and not as American as it sounded. <laughs> Um, yeah, this was the, like you said, the beginning of Fight Club progress. <laughs> yeah, and that's not a bad thing, is it? I think, yeah, yeah. I'd rather they took their influ- influence from Fight Club Pro than, uh, than just go through that big picture of uh, everyone who signed for WWE UK and think, who haven't we used yet? Uh, it's good well, that they're, they're yeah. doing some scouting, I suppose. You say that, and, uh, well, British Strong Style, well, at the start, British Strong Style come out and Pete Dunne. He basically just apologizes. He mm. says, sorry. <laughs> and unfortunately, That's uh, with this apology, they dragged in Joseph Connor. <sighs> to, to laughter and groans. Oh, um, boy. It, it, I literally, I was watching this on VOD and I knew it was coming, but I burst out laughing when you just could, you could hear people in the crowd <laughs> go, oh my God. And a part of it as well was the fact that I mean, I don't know how you feel about this. I know people wanted to cheer British Strong Style so much, but I remember seeing a tweet from Alan Farrell at the time going, have I missed a chapter? Was there something in between this where they really turned face? This is it. Yeah. It was kind of just, like you say, Pete Dungo being cheeky chappy going, oh, well, sorry about all that. Um, and they're kind of faces now. And 
Part of it's good. I mean, I think it's a, it's a good thing. They needed freshening yeah. up, and people wanted to cheer them anyway. It was happening at most buildings. Um, those three guys getting cheered. So, I suppose whatever from that point of view. But yeah, I think they could have told that story a bit better, and I think they could have told that story without Joseph Connors. Although, um, yeah. John Briley has been on uh, Twitter tonight as we record <laughs> defending uh, Joseph Connors. The people, I don't know if you've seen that. Oh boy, I haven't, but. Yeah, he's got some, he's he's dying on the wrong hill there. Yeah, he, he's just a guy. He's just he's he's technically good. That's about it, really. Um, I know you you've done the the what culture reviews in the past. Were you review, reviewing what culture when he was their champion? Did you think much of him there? Nope. Um, but I was watching it when he was the champ, and well, he's not much better. <laughs> I always thought he kind of looked, he looked more comfortable in what culture he did have something of a star aura, but uh, whatever that he yeah, might have had. Yeah, that's I'm what culture. Yeah. Th- this is different. progress. <laughs> this is a higher level. Absolutely. Um, This was also the beginning of Broken Kid Like Us. They were meant to defend against uh, the Grizzled Young Vets, CCK were, but Kid Like Us broke his wrist. And. This would be the start of a lot of that for CCK. Yeah, like I say, he takes a lot of risks. He's only young in the business, and he, yeah, unfortunately, uh, pays for it, doesn't he? Um, he's another person like TK Cooper. I hope can have a an injury free 2018. Yeah, and uh, we also said aloha to Wolfgang, and I say <laughs> aloha because it's hello and goodbye. Wolfgang, fucking Wolfgang. I think that um. That that's one point we missed on the Chase the Sun show when he came out and it was we we were talking about this on oh, the boy. On, on one of my other podcasts and we were I think it was Ollie Court was saying it was like uh, the August one warning in TNA when, uh, <laughs> when, <laughs> oh my when God. it was like exactly like that um, it's just <laughs> just coming out like Tito and and folding oh, his arms and it was just I know there's a YouTube video and. Dave, one of my friends from the WrestleBoss podcast, uh, Google uh, August 1 warning Wolfgang, and he's made a, a cut of those two moments because that's exactly what it was. And Wolfgang is somebody who he might have fit in, in progress as someone who comes in as a one-off challenger for the Atlas title, but giving him that big debut on the biggest show of the year, like we're supposed to care, like he, like he's this big somebody. I know he's done good stuff in ICW. I know he he impressed in WWE UK more than most would have expected. But he's not this big name to come out like it's this big moment. Um, and like you say, he was one and done here, and there's probably good reason for that. Yeah, just yep, that's Wolfgang. <laughs> Walter beat him, and he went on his way. See you, mate. Yep, so, and then we had, uh, the official teaming up of Haskins and Havoc. They beat up Jack Sexsmith for reasons. <laughs> because he's and Jack then, Sexsmith. Because he's Jack Sexsmith. And then we had the main event, Travis Banks, Keith Lee 2. This one I loved mm. a lot better than the first, and Travis Banks' chest looked horrifying. <laughs> This was the match where we started the the Travis Banks pretending he's Bret Hart in 1994, defended against all comers, oh. <laughs> vanquishing his old foes uh, as he'd lost that previous match to Keith Lee. 
just, I mean, as much as I've criticised Progress all year for some of their booking, I love this stuff. I love that they're putting Travis Banks out there with people who we can have killer matches like Keith Lee and just letting him go. I think it's both in, yeah. in kayfabe and non-kayfabe terms, wa- washing away a lot of the, the stink of the, uh, the WWE Triple H stuff, just giving us something fresh right. and something just nice and clean. Nice boy Travis Banks defending his belt. What more could you ask for? Yeah. So... That would get us to chapter 57 and are smiling. Uh, we ha- would have um, British Strong Style end up going against the Grizzled Young Veterans and Joe Connors. And I think this match tricked a lot of people into thinking Joe Connors was better than he was because this match was actually fun and interesting. <laughs> and then it ended in a DQ and then Pete Dunn would ask for a one-on-one match. The, the match we all want to see. Um, yeah, this yeah. this was when I was at live, and I would say the, my biggest note from it is the promo battle before it between uh, oh, Trent God, and Zach yes. Gibson. Zach Gibson going after Trent for his dad bod. Uh, <laughs> Trent going after Zach Gibson for not having a WWE contract, calling James Drake colleague and saying they needed to organize <laughs> the WWE Christmas party. So good. Oh, I would say so the, good. the two best promos in British wrestling, surely. Absolutely. Yep. And, uh, yeah, we would have CCK beat Ring, Ringkampf. Uh, Lycos came back and they beat Ringkampf for the tag team titles to, uh, retain them. This was okay. It was a match. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it came right after intermission. Um, and it just, it just didn't get over. I was surprised. It was probably the, the least response I've ever seen for a Ringkampf match. I don't know what was wrong yeah. on this day, but. Yeah, it didn't work. Yeah, and then speaking of stuff that just didn't work, uh, Travis Banks beating Mark Andrews in the main event, which, yeah, just, you know Mark's not winning. Mm. You said earlier on the podcast, didn't you? He's the, he's the, he's the first offense for most champions. Maybe he wasn't first here, but it's close. Um, yeah. And yeah, like you say, nobody buys it. Um, this is, I mean, I'm not big on putting the title match in the middle of the car, but this might have been a show where I might have done that, uh, yeah. just because no one was buying it in the first place. Yeah, and that would lead, well, you say put the title match in the middle of the card, chapter 58, live your best life, title match was at the start of the card, and it was Travis Banks and Matt Riddle, and it was awesome. Typical Matt Riddle. I think he had the. I think he had another book in that day, didn't he? I think that's why they put him yeah. back early. That's, that's Matt Riddle for you. Uh, yeah. Can't read a calendar to save his life. <laughs> that's him. Yeah, awesome, absolutely awesome, and another good example of booking with Travis Banks vanquishing another person that that beat him in the past. Um, as much as I hated all those losses, I do appreciate that they they were putting some work in. Um, but yeah, the, the two men as well, who their styles are just work, don't they? Uh, both men heavy on kicks and both get yeah. great technical in their own right. Both very realistic offense, just a, a match made in heaven. And yeah, it was a shame it wasn't the main event, but it, it certainly made for a, a really, really hot start to the to the card. Yep, and another match with Travis Banks' chest just ended up <laughs> looking like raw meat. That poor guy. Uh, Hathak and Haskins had their first heel tag team match against uh, Mayhew and Mills and these poor boys <laughs> got murdered they did they did and we got the, the new heel Vicky Haskins who I'm a big fan of uh, and Havoc and Haskins like we, like we talked about earlier uh, it, it, it's an idea it's something fresh 
but again, I, I would appreciate them or the company making some kind of explanation because right now it does feel like they don't have one. Um, although, yeah, the, the theory that you posed earlier does make sense. Yeah, and I thought uh, Mayhew Mills looked really good in this match, like for the one minute of offense they got. Mm. And a, they had a match on the last uh, Dome show, which yeah, everyone's been is getting about a that. lot of buzz. I haven't seen it yet. No, but... me neither. I've seen Osprey endorsing those two guys as well, so that's, yeah. that's high praise. So, yeah, definitely one to, uh, to check out. Definitely. Um, we had the big blow-off match, Ginny and Dahlia Black. Um, and it hurt me, this match, because they had built it up so well. There was this really awesome backstage fight after uh, the last show mm. where it's just 30 seconds of them brawling and it takes ring comp to break them up and Tim Thatcher just looking confused. Mm. And then there was a really good promo from Dahlia Black hyping the match. And then they had the match and it just it felt rushed mm. like they were up against the clock for some reason. Yeah. Which just and it just felt like they rushed through it and it sucked. Especially for a match with you know they 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 put some story into it. Um, they put some time into it. I don't know whether it was, I don't know maybe they wanted to rush off to get the the Valhalla Rob Lynch debut that was coming up after <sighs> this. Uh, but you're right, yeah, I would have definitely. Ex- I mean, again, this this is a good card of an example where there was also a Tony Storm Championship match on the card, so I suppose in a way we should be thankful that there's two women's matches, but certainly a very forgettable match, and it shouldn't have been. Yeah, it just... They didn't let it breathe. They didn't let anything breathe, and that... It sucks, because I really like this feud, and Ginny got the win, mm. but the match just felt... It fell flat. Mm. Um, we had James Davis and Tim Thatcher. Rob Lynch came back, but <laughs> don't think that'll be going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, I think that one's done. Except out the door. <laughs> what did you make of the Valhalla uh, aspect of the uh, the Rob Lynch return? Okay, so I was at work during the show, and I tried to stay spoiler-free. Mm. And I saw that Tim Thatcher ended up wrestling uh, Chris Ridgway because the match with uh, Davis went like 30 seconds or whatever. Right. And I thought Chris Ridgway was the Valhalla guy. (laughs) So until I watched it on VOD, I was like, okay, Chris Ridgway is going to come out and do something. But no, it was was, uh, Rob Lynch. And it was awesome to see. But... um, now he's kind of just out in the cold for right now. I made the joke on Twitter about two weeks before saying Valhalla Rob Lynch or we riot. If Valhalla Rob Lynch is, isn't Rob Lynch in a, in a fancy cloak and a, coming out with a big axe, <laughs> then I'll be really disappointed. <laughs> and I wasn't far off. I can't believe it came true. It was, it was just, <laughs> but he just came out in a, in a crappy, just black gear and he looked like a like he was trying to be like a a hooligan or something it was just awful and even after the show i was thinking that he can't have really been the valhalla but nope turned out he was but yeah thankfully we're not gonna have to see much more of that stuff uh but chris ridgeway made his debut he looks really cool yeah just 
getting that out there. He's awesome. I think the natural progression series for 2018 is going to be big for him. He's uh, definitely. If anyone hasn't seen him, he's very. I, I find him very Davy Richards, and that could be a, a compliment or it could be a slight if it depending on who you right. are. But he's got a style not too far away from that. I think he's going to be massive in 2018. Yeah, that natural progression series next year. It's already looking looking promising. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. We had Joe Connors and Flash Morgan Webster. Joe Connors stinks. There's no other way to say it. Nope. Yeah. If you have a bad match with Flash Morgan Webster in progress, like, that just says, that says enough. Just stilted, boring, forgettable, non, just, there's no reason for him to be on progress cards. If they didn't have this WWE deal, I don't think he'd be anywhere near progress, but, yeah, Uh, John Briley would argue that point, so... Who am I to say? Uh, and then in the main event, we had the Grizzled Young Vets getting their title shot against CCK and winning. Um, and Kid Like Hoss got hurt again. Oh, the poor little wolf. It poor was, little wolf. <laughs> I just felt I felt bad for Brooks as well. Obviously, having to, yeah. to fight on his own, and you could see them going through the motions and putting Scott's spots together on the fly. Like uh, it was Brooks who came flying off the. Off the stage, didn't he? Through a table, you were yeah. just desperately trying to think of stuff. And I think you could get away with Banks and Riddle being the opener if this kills it as the main event. But it right. was just against them from the start, wasn't it? Um, right. And it, like, w- I think like the big turning point was going to be Lycos doing that dive, and then it would like get into it. But Lycos got hurt, and then yeah, like you said, it kind of just fell apart from there, and. I mean, you'd expect it to, because it's a four-man match, and all of a sudden, mm. you've only got three men. Mm. So I believe the the title change was called on the fly as well. Um, at least that's the story oh, yeah. I've heard. That, I can believe that. Yeah, it makes sense as well, doesn't it? You don't know when Lycos is going to be back, and yeah, Drake and Gibson haven't been a, a bad team to put it on. So yeah, I probably would have right. made that call too. Yeah, and you don't want to like do like a tournament for it too. So it's just better to put it on the vets for sure. And then we had uh, Chapter 59, Whatever People Say We Are, That's What We're Not. I think that's the title. It is. Uh, This was the Snow Day show. (laughs) So as we start, as we end, British Strong Style off the show again. (laughs) I know. I I made the trip down to this one. There was a lot of good football going on this day as well. I was was kind of regretting it on the train down as I made it through snowy England and hearing about all these guys who hadn't made it. so everyone was very disappointed, I suppose, except for Chuck Mambo, who knew he was getting... Yeah. He definitely knew he was getting a singles bucket at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, but I do think Progress did a good job of, of putting together still an enjoyable card. Um, I certainly had a really good time there live. Part of it might have been the, the lowered expectations, but yeah, they, they, they came through, I think, for the fans in the, in the face of uh, some very difficult circumstances. Yeah, and we started with the uh, Doug Williams Open Challenge. Doug Williams had been doing this uh, thing the last few shows where he doesn't feel like he has it anymore. (laughs) So he's doing this Open Challenge, and who comes back? It's Rampage Brown, minus his music, at least on the VOD. (laughs) I was going to say, you're jealous I was in the building. I got to uh, experience that. I think that was a big thing for me, though, because on my various podcasts, I've railed against the, the progress shitty 
hot tag media music because I, I just think progress they run music venues so music is a huge part of the presentation yes uh, progress yes. wasn't progress until they started putting the music on the vod's and and having so many great themes for all their wrestlers that it's really uh taking the wind out the sails a little bit to, to use this music but right. I've heard people say, well, they should do what WXW do and they should overdub all the music and the people in the building get it. But then that means people like yourself and the vast majority of people who aren't, aren't the 700 people in the building get shit like this where you've got music dubbed over. You can't even hear the pop for Rampage Round, which was absolutely huge. And yeah, yeah I'd maybe walk my criticism back a little bit. Maybe the, uh, the dub music isn't so bad after all. Yeah, and... The music is what got me into progress because the video I watched, like you talked about watching uh, Chapter 13 uh, on and that getting you into progress. I, the video I watched was the entrances for that big six-man main event a few chapters later, um, Chapter 18. And it was uh, Osprey coming out to ACDC and uh, Skrull coming out to... Uh, whatever his song is, and then uh, Havoc coming out to, uh, why do I want to say CCK? It's not CCK. Uh, AFI. Oh, AFI, AFI, yeah. AFI, yeah. So just the music is so important, and yeah, it sucks that they don't have it, but they're dealing with it. Uh, We also got um, a super fun match, uh, Chris Ridgway versus Adam Chase. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that match was just super fun. Two guys just going out there making the most of the opportunity. I liked it. I'd not seen a lot of Chase before, but he did the King of Trios for Chikara in Wolverhampton. Yeah. So this was the second time I've seen him. And yeah, talk about someone who, who took his opportunity. I believe he was supposed to be ring crew this day, wasn't he? Yes. Uh, Jim Smallman said like uh, he had come from like Spain six weeks ago and was just here to do ring crew. <laughs> and then... He had this awesome match. <laughs> yep, and then we had that eight-way uh, scramble match, number one contenders uh, for any title, and Jack Sexsmith won. But we had a lot of replacements in this one. We had, and we had a lot of debuts too. We had Amir Jordan, Gabriel Kidd, Saxon Huxley, and Spike Trevay all debut. Yeah, and. Uh, well, go ahead. I was just going to say, what did you make of uh, of Trevay and his in the building? There were a lot of angry people as he was Ooh, going around boy. the front row, spitting on people. Um, someone I know, yeah. Ben, who's quite famous on Twitter, Brit Rezaway days, was uh, one of his unfortunate victims. He looked like he was going to get in the ring and fight him at one point. Yeah, that's it'll get him heat, but like I said in my review, it'll get him heat, but it might get him punched in the face. Yes. So. He might want to be careful with that. There is that. And I know uh, Amir uh, Jordan as well got a bit of grief as well for his gimmick being very uh, stereotypical. Uh, but I, I would definitely say in the building, he was probably the, the most over of the men in there, um, wherever you stand on that. So, yeah, both, both of those guys yeah. and at least have memorable um, bigger chapter uh, show debuts. But, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely issues there as well. Yeah, and... Uh... I'm glad to see Gabriel Kidd in uh, progress, too. He was, when I reviewed WCPW and watched it, he was one of the few guys where I looked, saw, and it was just like, this guy's good. I could get behind this guy. So, good to see him in progress. (laughs) 
And, uh, yeah, Jack Sexsmith getting the win. Looks like he'll be taking a progress title shot. I mean, he doesn't fit the Atlas title. <laughs> so. Yeah, maybe maybe brings back um, David Starr and they, they reform their sexy star tag team. Uh, maybe he could do that. Or um, maybe he could get uh, Roy Johnson back, get the shirtlifters oh, back together. Oh, I miss Roy Johnson. I think he was someone yeah. who you, WWE UK looked like a big moment for him. It was almost like his career crashed after after that. Thing. Yeah. They, they didn't give him any mic time. That was my big takeaway for him there. That he 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 would have been better having 10 minutes on the mic than having a 10-minute match at that stage in his career. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's been missing from progress, I think. Uh, but he did come back. He, um, he was on Super Strong he, Style weekend, wasn't he, for a little bit? I think, yeah, he had the um, the hangover scramble match, as I titled it. That's right. And um, he was at that Dome show, too. I think he replaced uh, Davis yeah. when uh, Davis got pulled. Well, hopefully so. that's a good sign. Maybe we'll see him on more chapter shows. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then we had uh, a couple just... Kind of tedious matches. Joe Connors and Chuck Mambo. Joe Connors and Chuck Mambo. Can you believe you just said that on a main progress card? Joke. I know I know there was snow, but come on. This was the main event of the first half as well. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the people where I was standing just went for a smoke or, or went to the toilet at this point. <laughs> and then after we had Chris Brooks and Matt Cross. Uh, Mark Andrews was supposed to be in this match, but uh, but the snow kept him from this one too. Hmm. Uh, yeah, this was fine, I guess. I think that's kind of my take on most Chris Brooks singles matches. Um, yeah, I like, that's... I like him as a tag I'm glad you said it. I think there's something, I don't know whether you'd feel this being uh, abroad, but a lot a lot of fans are really into the CCK stuff, and I do think part of it is how approachable the CCK guys are, how good they are on social media. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's something they seem like be, nice guys. There's something to be said, isn't there, for being nice guys? Uh, but I think some yeah. of that colours some people's view on Brooks. I think people think he's maybe a touch better than he is. I think he will be great, yeah. and I think he's a great tag team wrestler. But as a singles, I, I can't think of a Chris Brooks match. I, I would say, oh, I love that one. Um, yeah. It's just been okay. Yeah. Um, but talk about two guys making the absolute most of an opportunity oh yes get aussie open and the grizzled young vets this match was awesome so good this was this i think this was the moment where i went all right james drake isn't that bad Uh, (laughs) but i think part of it is how good aussie open are and i think they've knocked down the door of progress i think they they came in and Progress probably saw them as people they could put in undercard matches. They may be seeing them at right. Club Pro and they could fill a role. But this match, they took, similar to what we said about Adam Chase, they took advantage of the opportunity. Um, some of their double teams are just so good. Davis, one of the hardest hitting men in wrestling. That pull-up pile driver he does, insane. Oh, my God. So every yeah. time he does it, I jump. It's just... They're just a great team, and there's something, again, they've got that Fight Club Pro thing going for them where there's something feel good about this team. You want to see them do well, um, and I think they're going to fly in 2018. Yeah, and like like you said, they were originally in the uh, scramble match earlier, and when Mustache Mountain couldn't make it, they got pulled and got put in the title match. And yeah, they just made the most of it. This match was just great. There was just that one spot at the end where Davis tried to do like... Um, springboard moonsault, like, uh, and he kind of missed it. He right. almost took a header on the ground, but it ended up, like, playing into the match, and, uh, yeah, 
this match was just great. Fantastic stuff. And then we had the world title match main event, Travis Banks and Eddie Dennis. How did you feel about this? I thought it was far too soon to put Eddie Dennis in this position. Uh, I think he had a lot of momentum coming in. I know they were stuck, but I would expect that Mark Andrews was supposed to interfere in this match if it wasn't for the snow, but I still wouldn't have done it. Um, I enjoyed Travis Banks diving off the stage at the start of the match. That was a a big memory. That was fun. I thought they delivered a, a very good match. I just... I don't think it needed to take place. I think I, I think Eddie Dennis could be the one to beat Travis Banks. Um, if Me you, too. If you're like, heel, so I wouldn't have done this. I thought with the promos Eddie Dennis was cutting, right, and just the general vibe, I thought he's winning this title and he's gonna rub it in Mark Andrews' face. <laughs> and the way he pivoted off of it with by saying, "Mark, if you were bothered to be here, I would have won this match." Mm. I think that was, like, brilliant. But as for the match itself, like, I felt like it got... It started hot, and then it got gratuitous at the end. Yeah. Because Eddie hit the next stop driver off the second rope, and Banks kicked out at one. And at that point, it was like, okay, I'm done here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it just felt like... Yeah. Because what's going to beat him then if it won't work off the second rope. So, yeah, it fell flat for me, but it I didn't hate it. It was just, it hit a ceiling for me. Yeah. I, th- I think that, I mean, Dennis is, he's only going to get better with, with being full-time now. Um, like we've said, he, he's, he's continuing to improve the character. This was probably, again, a, ba- a bad booking decision, but, I think in the long term, though, as well, it's probably not going to hurt him too much. I think I could still see him coming back, maybe, um, and being that guy who dethrones Travis Banks, and like you say, maybe in a, in a slightly better match as well. All right, and then we get to our last show of the year, the last weekend of the year, <laughs> Unboxing Live 2, Unbox Harder. So, man, the first hour of this show, <laughs> a realm into the absurd. Yeah. Joe, who I do uh, British Wrestling Spotlight with, with, really didn't enjoy this one live. Um, <laughs> but I was watching it thinking, I wish I was in the building. It looked like so much fun. I could probably have done without, you know, 15 minutes of small men talking, then 20 minutes of promo, then lots of comedy, um, and then a weird serious five minutes at the end of the match um, yeah. that I didn't buy at all after all the comedy with inflatable kid like us being thrown off balconies and all kinds of silliness, but I did enjoy it, and it, I, I was watching it, or I'm reading about it at home, thinking, oh, I need to, I do need to get out to one of these unboxing shows. Uh, it did sound like fun. Yeah, it was, to say, it was an eight-man tag match. It was, it was an eight-man tag match, where, uh, like Survivor Series rules, mm-hmm. so it was Chris Brooks, James Drake, Mark Davis, and Team Captain Tyler Bate versus, uh, Kyle Fletcher, Zach Gibson, Inflatable Kid Like Us, and Team Captain Trent Seven. <laughs> and it must be noted, Trent Seven picked Inflatable Kid Like Us over James Drake. Perfect. Just so perfect. And that's how he's listed on um, Cage Match 2, <laughs> Inflatable Kid Like Us. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, it was insanity. I could have done without the serious five minutes at the end, too, because... 
Yeah, just just be goofy throughout. Like, no need for, like, to act like it matters in the end. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it was it was more about the, again, like what we talked about with that Manchester show. It was more about Seven and Gibson going back and forth on the mic and. Uh, well, mainly uh, Seven himself, just winding up Gibson and winding up Drake. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that was the highlight of the match, but the match itself maybe didn't have too much going for it. And if you're not a fan of, fan of comedy, you, you may be able to skip that first hour. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, Jack Sexsmith and Joe Coffey as well. The match was nothing to speak of, but, again, we got Jack Sexsmith getting a little serious. He got rid of Mr. Kako. Mm. And... Uh, he beat Joe Coffee straight up, so yeah, hey, it was yeah. just all right. Were you glad to see Coffee back in progress? Um, uh, I've, I've never found him that interesting. I don't know about you. He's always one of those guys where it's like he's so close to being really good, but he's not hit it yet. Mm-hmm. But I think like he thinks he has. Not to project on him or anything, but he feels like. Everyone presents him a level higher than he's at. Right. And the frustrating thing is he's, like, almost there. Yeah. I think part of that's the ICW vibe, isn't it? Um, yeah. Hopefully yeah. No, hope, I'd hate to say it. Hopefully but... no ICW fans have made it this far in the podcast. But I don't yeah. understand these people who like to pretend ICW is good because it really isn't. <laughs> yeah. It's... They have their fans. Yeah. So... It's it's like a, it's its own universe, isn't it? And if you if you're not yeah. Scottish, you don't get it. I think I think that's probably a big part of it. Yeah, um, I like Grado though, so that's good. <laughs> um, then we had again the uh, six way women's match. Millie McKenzie getting her win. We also had a uh, Candy Flaw, Shakara, Charlie Morgan, Charlie Evans, Sierra Loxton in there too. Just good to see all of them on there. I thought they were. It's good to see more people on, uh, more women on the Progress show. Yeah. So, like we said earlier, yeah. yeah, definitely freshens things up, even if we did have to fit through six different Progress stop musics with various beeps and boops. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Candy Flosses, Candy Flosses music in particular. What? Just. It would be so easy. Boy, that doesn't work. If you if you Googled stock music and then put the word candy in or candy floss, I bet you'd find something better that would actually suit her. Um, awful. Oh boy! And then we had um, another set of debuts: Twelve Days of Christmas Deathmatch Tag Match. Uh, it was Clint Margera and Drew Parker coming in against Jimmy Havoc and Mark Askins. Fight Club Pro. And um, <laughs> it, yep, Fight Club Progress. Uh, it wasn't how I thought Margera would come in. I thought he'd come in with with Havoc, but I mean, he's here, and the match was, you know. It was a match. It was nice to see them get the the big response, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Got, and Parker Parker had another match this last uh, chapter. That's right. Uh, yeah, Joe yeah. hasn't gone up yet, but uh, he's in the Natural Progression series too. So yeah, went over as well. Beat Ridgeway, which I was surprised. That's nice. I think the the behind Parker. Um, yeah, Marjorie. I think it was just nice, yeah, to see them get a nice response because yeah. I I kind of see the Progress crowd as being a bit of a, a bubble sometimes. Um, yeah. And yeah. I, I was pleasantly surprised that these two were, were so beloved by the Progress fan base. I think that nowadays there does seem to be a big crossover between Progress and, uh, and Fight Club Pros fans. Yeah. Uh, and then we had uh, Rampage Brown making his return to the um, to the ballroom. He beat Flash Morgan Webster, and after the match, Flash and 
uh, I'm going to take some time off to, like, try and figure this out, why I keep losing. What do you think? Where do you think that's going with Morgan Webster? Do you think we're getting a heel run? Are we getting him coming back? Is he going to be the new Valhalla? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where you go with Morgan Webster. Um, a losing streak gimmick is never good, as we've said ad nauseum throughout this podcast. Um, yeah, I don't know where Morgan Webster goes in 2018. I hope it leads to something big for him, like maybe him winning the title. For a short period of time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It sucks seeing him just lose all the time, but I have, I still have a little faith in progress that they're gonna, that they're gonna, uh, have something for him. I guess we'll wait and see. Yep. And then we had our two main event matches that I almost missed, cause <laughs> I almost, because I watched uh, Unboxing Live this morning. Good man. So, you, you wouldn't have missed anything. It was only oh, yeah. possibly the best match of the year for progress and you know another very notable match. But other than that, it wasn't much. Yep, so we had Travis Banks and Will Ospreay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, loser leaves town, lol. <laughs> but yeah, this was excellent. Let's just pretend it didn't happen. Um, I think the only man who should remember that it happened is Jimmy Havoc, because he can use it as reason to come and beat the shit out of Will Ospreay. Um, the rest of us... We yeah, should... he... Go on. Uh, he tweeted, like, huh? Like, <laughs> why is he back? Yeah. And I think it would have worked if it was a one-off for unboxing. You could say, oh, well, the logic is that this isn't a normal progress show, so yeah. But he seems to be just back on shows now. Um, yeah. So. And he's at WrestleMania weekend, which I'm not mad at. Yeah. But... Well, that's the thing. And we said earlier, I think progress missed Osprey from their cards, giving you this, this big prestige match. And this was so 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 good um there was loads and loads of great sequences but just the the, the end sequence of the match with you know you got um osprey going for the os cutter and banks reversing it into the slice of heaven and then they reverse that with banks going oh, for the slice of heaven and osprey God, hit the os cutter. So just perfect timing from both so of them. good osprey is striking so good as well he's just he's incredible um i think anyone who says one, that Osprey's strikes are bad. I don't know what they're watching. And two, that he can't sell. I definitely think he, he can. Sometimes Get out of here. He might choose not to. Like, but <laughs> And sometimes he, he gets a little goofy with it sometimes. Yeah. But overall, like, what? get out of here with that. Yep, I agree. Yep, and then after the match, uh, Banks retained. And then after the match, uh, TK Cooper came out. Mm-hmm. And he said he basically challenged Banks to a title shot whenever in 2018. Yeah, I think there's just something that sat wrong here with me. This happening, even watching, following Twitter along on the day. Um, yeah. Why was, I mean, Will Ospreay is a progress legend. He's making his return. TK Cooper is making his return and challenging the world champion. I don't. It's just something strong about this being the semi main event for yeah the return of. I mean, I love Jack Gallagher, this, but right, me too. When yeah. they had him, they never got behind him. They never pushed Jack Gallagher, but here he comes back as a two hundred five live guy, and the WWE UK title goes above the Progress title. I just didn't well, like that. Well, hey. Let's not date this. 205 Live might be cancelled by the time this goes up. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I would agree. I think 
the Progress World Title match, it was better than the UK title match. The UK title match was good. Prog- the Progress title match was great, and, and you with known TK that. coming back after, yeah. I mean, going, it, you're put- I think they should have made. If you're the one putting this card together, you know that Travis Banks and Will Ospreay are going to go scorched there. Um, right. So why don't you put them on last? And you also know that you've got, like you say, the TK moments as well. I don't get it. Right. Uh, but yeah, we did have a WWE UK title match, uh, Make Good from New York. It was Pete Dunne and Jack Gallagher. I thought this match was really good. Mm. Again, not as good as Banks and Osprey. I would have put it before, but still a good match. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Pete Dunne won. Do you think you would have preferred it if Gallagher had came out and done the his old shtick, uh, came out in his old gear and been the progress version of Jack Gallagher rather than... Because he was kind of carrying over his 205 Live gimmick, wasn't he? Yeah. It was a very slow, methodical uh, Jack Gallagher. Um, and it did build to a good match. Um, but I just don't think it could follow what came before it. I think if you'd uh, given Jack his old entrance and let him be what he was. But I suppose you've got to in some ways, keep that continuity with WWE. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you would have played but it. I think more people watch Progress than 205 Live, so I really <laughs> don't think it would have mattered if Jack came out and just we pretended yeah. he hadn't turned heel on 205 Live yeah. however long ago. Yeah, I think that God, that show stinks. <laughs> Did you see you the, hear... the UK episode? Uh, I did not, oh, no. Oh. But I do remember James Drake... Oh. Choo-choo! <laughs> I was at that one. I, oh, I was stu- Stupidly, I was very excited when they announced that. I thought, oh, I should go with that. I should cover it for one of the podcasts. It's only down the road from me. Went all the way there, and it was a 205 Live episode where Enzo got to treat those guys like absolute geeks. Man, they just didn't feel like flying TJ Perkins over. <laughs> I think that's all it is, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that was Unboxing Live. And that was progress in 2017. Uh, Benno, what would you say was your favorite like moment of the year? Let's do a few of these. What would you say like your favorite moment of the year was? I think I'd go back to as much as we slacked off some of the booking. Travis Banks winning Super Strong Style. Um, yeah. I think that was huge, absolutely huge. It was again, it shouldn't have been the peak of the story, but it was the peak of the story, um, and it was crazy watching. Banks and someone else we're probably going to mention talking highlights of the year go from where he was in 2016 uh, in the progress scheme of things. He was the other guy in a tag team um, to be in the, the top man in progress. I think it's yeah. an incredible story um, and it's great that they stuck to it as well. So it was a huge moment. Yeah, that was a very big deal. But my moment of the year would have to be as short lived as it was TK and Dahlia's <laughs> comeback. Yeah, because like you, you could show that moment to anybody, and you could think, okay, they're winning like every title in the company, and it was just so happy and so fun. And it's a shame how it ended up, but you know, yeah. that moment was still just absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's it's the real life element of it, isn't it? Because everyone knew their story. Everyone knew that they, because of the visa issue, they've been gone. Um. Yeah. It just, yeah, it felt real because it was real. Um, so I certainly wouldn't argue that one either. All right. Uh, what would you say your match of the year was? It could be recency bias, <laughs> but I do <laughs> think that uh, the Osprey Banks match, um, 
it came really, really late in the year. So like the yeah. you know, on some of my some of the places I've done balloting for match of the year, it was too late um to include it. But I'd have that on I, I think I'd probably have that first. Travis Banks Martin Riddle, I really enjoyed as well. Um, yeah. There was a lot of stuff Super Strong Style Weekend. I feel like uh, Super Strong Style Weekend just stuff gets lost in the shuffle. I should go back and, and watch that whole weekend again. Um but I think yeah, that's probably my my one and two for the year. Um plus like you said earlier on in the show, um, uh, Ring Camp against uh, against DK Cooper and Travis Banks, you forget about it because yeah. it was so early in the year, but that was awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe that's number three for me. Yeah, my top three. Uh, yeah, number one. Gosh, this is tough. There were a lot of like really good matches this year. I would say my number one is uh, Havoc and Haskins, the death match from uh, from Ali Pali. I just thought that match just hit all the high points for me, mm. and I just really enjoyed it. And then next, I'd probably put Riddle and Matt Bank and uh, Matt Riddle and Travis Banks, uh, the second one. Yep. Um, and then after that. I'd probably put, I mean, it's tough to go back to it now because of all the crap, but War Machine and the London Riots, yeah. but the, I loved that match. And personally, I liked it more than the Power Trip uh, Ring Conf match, but, you know. They're two teams, aren't they, that you would never have called having that much chemistry. Uh, right. But they showed it in London, they showed it in Manchester, and they showed it in Birmingham, yeah, so can't Definitely. argue too much with that one. Yeah. And, uh... One more thing before we wrap this thing up. Uh, what's something you're looking forward to in 2018 for progress? Uh, I'm hoping for better booking. <laughs> I think, yeah. uh, and I think with the signs are there, I think the, I've really, the last two shows I've loved. Um, I was live at the Birmingham show that's a, a 2018 show, so we won't talk about it here. Uh, but yeah, the last three shows have been great. Uh, I think they're onto something with Travis Banks as champion. And I think they're onto something with Eddie Dennis as well. And I don't want to downplay 2017 too much because as much as I thought the booking was bad in places, the in-ring, as we've just said, it was hard to pick a match of the year because there was so much good stuff. And I think from an in-ring point of view, from a money point of view, I think they probably had the best financial year. Um, so you won't believe that the trouble we go through over here to get tickets for Progress these days. It's, oh, yeah. it's insane. It used to just be the it's... London shows, but it's all of them now. It's got to be like PWG where they're just instantly gone. They're just gone, yeah. And then the, your only hope is that the Twickets, the reseller, you can buy some on the day uh, and maybe yeah. you know, someone cancels going. So I would say, yeah, in-ring, it was an incredible year. They probably had a great one of the best business years. The booking was bad, but yeah, I'll look forward to, to 2018. I'll, I'll have a glass half full and say that things are things are looking up from that, and they've got that big SSE Arena show to, to aim for as well. The, uh, the 10,000 seats, I've got no idea how they fill that, but uh, I don't know about you. Have you got any uh, any sneaky ideas about where they might go? Uh, I don't know. Like I'm interested in uh, where they go with uh, the Progress title. Hmm. Uh, because I really don't know who's going to win it. Like, it could be TK Cooper, it could be Chris Brooks, it could be uh, Eddie Dennis, mm. could be Flash Morgan Webster. Like, I don't know how long this uh, Travis Banks deal is going to go, but mm -hmm. I'm interested. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, and 
Uh, another thing I'm looking forward to is the return of the natural progression series in like its original form. Right. Because they used it for the women's tournament, mm. but they're bringing it back now, and it's going to be really good to see like that mix again of fresh faces on progress shows because I think one of the worst parts of like that middle part of the year going up to Ali Pally was it kind of got stale. Yeah. Like the people on the shows kind of just, it felt very samey. So it's, uh, it'll be good to see like that mix again of, you know, new people with, the established names in progress. So yeah. that's something I'm looking forward to as well. All right. So uh, you got any plugs, anything you want to get your name on? Yeah, sure. Um, postwrestling.com just launched. So you can actually, you can find the former uh, British audio wrestling that we used to host on the law over there now. So it's me, Martin Bushby and Ollie Court every two weeks um, going through the latest news in British wrestling with some reviews in there as well. And you can catch my other podcast, uh, British Wrestling Spotlight, uh, on the Indie Corner, uh, which is me, Joe, and JP, uh, going through mainly the live shows we've been to, um, as well as uh, any big issues or, or big stories that come up. Uh, we really enjoy doing that one. So, yeah, uh, please check those out. All right. And uh, you can also, you can see me, um, you can see my writing at PW Ponderings, and you could also see it at uh, VoicesOfWrestling.com, or uh, I do odds and ends every now and again for them. And you can also hear me talk about WWE, which not really enjoying, but <laughs> I have fun doing the podcast. Uh, you could hear me talking about that on the Smart Sports podcast. Uh, that's me and uh, and Melody. We talk about the week in WWE and kind of just riff on that. And yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Suit Williams. All right, and for Benno, I've been Suit Williams. Thanks for listening. See you next year. 